Welcome to episode 528 of Conversation Street, the Coronation Street podcast. That's got me in it. It's also got me in it. Hello. Oh, I'm Gemma. I'm Michael. We've, we've got one other person with us here today. It is not Summer's Robot. Summer's Robot doesn't work on Sundays, does it? It's its day of um, offline. Well, it's, it was, it's the holy day of creation because Summer's Robot was created on a Sunday. Yes. And so you can't ever... I don't know. It's, it's gone to the, the Church of Robotology for today. I think maybe Summer's Robot might just like to come out when there's summer storylines going on. Otherwise, <laughs> Summer's Robot might start to get annoying. Really? Start? It might start, might just begin there, getting a little bit annoying for some people if he features every week. But Can we can't just... we can't control where Abby comes in, so she just decided to launch herself onto my lap this very second. So she, she might say hello. For something that I've, I find very irritating, and if I was listening to a podcast that had this stupid thing on it, I would stop listening, right? What? For that, for all, all that I think about this stupid robot, that robot has got more positive praise and fewer negative comments than I have. <laughs> this, the Summer's Robot has got quite a lot of, of, of feedback. I've positive. had some really bad reviews recently. In Summer's Robot, I think one person said, for the love of God, shut that stupid thing up. And that's it! Please send I in think, positive reviews of Gemma. No, I don't care. I think Make a thread I about think it. you should oh. I think you should <laughs> How dare you? I think you should um co-host with Summer's Robot because it is much less controversial than I am. Well, I uh, if you do give bad feedback to Summer's Robot, it's okay because it doesn't have feelings. I have feelings though. Yeah. I don't I get very sad. Yes. So don't say horrible things about Gemma. Oh, She's can you lovely. just not specifically name me? <laughs> like, just say that horrible woman like other people do, or that mean woman. One of the two. Anyway, right, anyway. shut up. There's one, one, one thing that somebody said this week. You, said to, you just told me to shut up, see? Everyone, for viewers that take note, that it's not just me that's mean to him. He's mean to me sometimes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we don't have Summer's Robot this week, and, and very apologies that it is Sunday. This is a like, really late one, but just uh, shifting it up a bit, and you did have a wonderful interview with Jan McVerry to keep you going in the meantime, didn't you? Because that appeared on Thursday, and thank you to everyone who really enjoyed that. It was so lovely having Jan on the podcast. And um, and hopefully she will be back on again because we are, we've now got each other's contact details. We follow each other on Instagram, so the sky's the limit for that one. I know it's like your best friends. Me and Jan, love yeah. it. Yeah, love it. Her. Uh-huh. Well, you, you love you love the relationship. So that's it, isn't it? Yeah. Is that what you meant? It. That's. I'm not. I'm not. Weird. I'm not mispronouning. No, misgendering. Misgendering any of our female people today. No, I'm just because I, I think everyone's a robot now. Do you know what? Actually, life would be better if everyone was a robot and they could just detach various parts of themselves and take them off if they didn't want them and put them back in when they needed them. Give them a bit of a tune-up. Be really handy. (laughs) Are we going to nonsense all the way through? Um, We're not going to nonsense all the way through. Now, you don't have a quiz for me this week, do you? No, because I'm kind of on an unofficial strike. But the... um, 
it will become clear why I've chosen to do the quiz in this manner when we get to the new section. Oh, I have yes. taken this from the <sighs> we've ultimate. Got an exclusive. We've got an exclusive piece of information for you that you're only going to find out if you pay the price of having to listen to the rest of this crap. Or, or maybe reading the um, the blurb that goes with the episode because it's probably going to be on oh, that. Don't as well, spoil yourself by reading the blurbs. <laughs> Just delve right in. Go on then, Gemma. Quiz me up. I'm taking this from the uh, ultimate unofficial Coronation Street quiz book by Ed Cobham. Okay, so this is and not I've... to do with what happened this no. week. Don't care what happened. No, no. I've actually, I've, I've just made realised I made a mistake with the news sections, but carry on, I'll, I'll fix it by the time we get there, yeah. Oh, okay, right, listen, I'm going to ask you ten questions about pets. Pets? Why pets? Because you've got a pet on your lap. Okay, why not? What was the name of Minnie Coldwell's cat? Bobby. Emily Bishop once looked after Dolores, who was what type of animal? I don't know. Dolores the... Oh, you, if you say uh, it like that, I think you might get it. Dolores dog. the... Dog. No, donkey. Donkey. Nearly, nearly. Was that, um... Oh, no. no, was that thing he's that, that Wreck and Bone Man? What was his name? You know who we were watched in the 70s. <laughs> <I forgot laughs> all that Slim Jim. No. That's something what creature, what creature inspired gift did Tyrone present Jack Duckworth on the occasion of his 60th birthday? Ah... <laughs> uh... Creature inspired gift. Surely got to be pigeon related. Surely has to be. Stuffed pigeon. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of his was, recently was deceased favourite pigeons, stuffed and demounted. In 1990, which much loved pet found the shock of moving house too great and expired? Harriet the budgie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, don't laugh at that. What it did I do? when we moved last year, isn't it? She loves it. Yeah, you like this house better, don't you? There's more room to laze about in. Sorry, we're talking to the cat. It doesn't make any sense if you don't know the cat's here. <laughs> um, what did Tyrone call his beloved greyhound? Monica. Yes. Off of, based on Monica from Friends. Yes. It really was. Don't, you don't need to think about it. it totally no, I'm just was. thinking of the use of the word call in that sentence. Which Corrie pet was recast in the late 80s? Oh, a recast pet in the late 80s. That won't very I think this is a stretch myself. Do you? Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, I don't think there weren't many pets around in the late 80s. Um, I'm going to have to say one of the budgies again. They recast a budgie. Is that right? No. Oh. Um, it was the cat that featured in the opening credits. Oh, that's a cheat. That's not on the programme. That's what I thought. Cause it, like, cause it, that cat doesn't belong to anybody in Coronation Street, does no. it? What is the name of the dog that resided with the Barlows, a four-legged friend that was taken on a lot of walks by the canal when Ken was smitten with the owner of a houseboat? Eccles. Uh, I know. Which of Rita's foster children had a dog named Mitzi? Jenny Bradley. Yes. Which couple and a dog fell through the bedroom ceiling while in a hot tub? Leslie Siller and Schmeichel. Yes. Um, And the final question, who had a budgie called Randy? Percy Sugden. You did pretty well there, I didn't know, you? That's not too bad, is it? You got like two wrong. I've not been counting. Yeah, eight out of ten. Oh, that's good. And and Nappy's now left my lap. She's gone. She's like, no, no more pets. No more pets. I'm off. Time to get on with the rest of the podcast. Oh, have you got some birthdays? I do. Does your, does your unofficial you strike include not getting any birthdays? I would birthdays? never ever disrespect somebody on their birthday. Guess like what? Chris Guess what? It's, <laughs> it's nearly my birthday, isn't it? It is nearly Less your birthday. Less than a week's time till my birthday. Um, mm-hmm. Right, it's 25th 
of June. Yeah. Through to yes. Who had a birthday yesterday? Um, 26th of June. I don't know, what about 25th of June? Nobody. Oh. <laughs> Harry Vizzanoni, Seb Franklin, 26th of June. 27th of June, Jim Cartwright. And Lee Warburton, who played Tony Horrocks. I don't know when I'm going to have to stop, by the way. 29th of June, Lynn Carroll, who played Martha Longhurst. 30th of June. Keep going. 30th of June. <laughs> I, think the, I think the 1st of July you want Michael's to stop. counting. Joe oh, Dutteen, who, played, who plays Tim Metcalf. So here we go. Mm. So Carl's going to have to get a gift. Yeah. If you, I hope you're listening to this, Sal. <laughs> uh, ben Price, who played Nick Tilsley the third, and then the next lot is your birthday. Oh, so it's so not till then. No, no, on the first. Okay, happy birthday to all those people. Happy birthday to you, lot. Right, that's enough of that. We're late as it is already. Let's get on with street talk. Right, um, this week's Coronation Street, last week's Coronation Street pretty much is now, isn't it? We've got eight stories to talk about, um, which seems like quite a lot, but most of it was plats. This was almost all plat all the time this week, wasn't it? What, with what? Max and Audrey? It's the Platinum it, It's because it was just had the Platinum Jubilee, isn't it? It's it the Platinum Jubilee! Yeah, it is, that's it. Because we, um, we had the old Soak storyline first, where she I got herself it. into a spot of bother. And then Michael, we have... you've got to make a Photoshop of this. What, the Platinum Jubilee? Yeah. Yes. Maybe if I have time, I can No, do, do it. Right, stop this podcast. No. Go and do that. It's <laughs> funny. We'll get, Second... Michael, if you do that, we'll get at least 10 likes on Oh, you reckon? Oh, yes. it might be worth it, though. Yes. Second storyline is Max drops his slacks, because he's got into a bit of trouble for um, photographing parts stuff. of himself that he shouldn't have maybe done this week. Oh. Speaking of willies, Timpotency is our next storyline, followed by Game of Thorns, which I've just shamelessly, just shamelessly. stolen from Mr. Thorne, but it doesn't matter because he's a wrong and you can steal from wrong Um Wendy Crozier, Ken Exposure, is the best I can <laughs> come up with with the next one because it seems like she's got some kind of a secret on him. I don't think she does, but um, she doesn't like the idea of people knowing well, that she knows what he gets up to in bed. Oh yeah, she knows all of his. Um, you know, she knows what he makes. Kinks. What he makes her dress up as. <laughs> yeah, maybe the Jane. Oh, that is a Barlow thing. I don't know, you know Daniel making. Um, yes, that's right. Nikki dress up as Sinead. Is Dan- all... Ken's going to make Ken Wendy Crozier dress up as Deirdre. Oh my God. He's like, <laughs> Belt please, on, giant glasses. on and tell me you love me. Right, that's like the storyline for the summer started. Um, up next, we've got What a Load of Rubbish, which oh, is the Maria storyline. <laughs> I really, I'm re- getting, getting kind of uncomfortable <laughs> with how... Um, much Maria's being maligned for caring about the environment. But... I know it's it's not it's not good, is it? But um, if I was to pick a figurehead for my environmental, um, what's the word? March for progress. I yeah. wouldn't pick Maria, even no. though she wears green so beautifully. <laughs> um, up next, we've got brand new Brian, which is about three scenes on Monday where he's decided he's to have a bit of a coloured trousers. Well remembered. I, I would never that. forget. <laughs> Fashion statement, Michael. <laughs> oh, there are so many times where Summer's Robot would have things to say this episode. Um, and then finally, <laughs> Tully and the Bully is going to be our um, finishing off storyline for this week. Now, Gemma, you like a bit of booze, don't you? So I will. I can't say. Audrey Roberts is your spirit animal. One way or the other. She's your spirit granimal. No, you're not allowed to say that. <laughs> so I said that um, she's on my mood board for yeah. when I grow up. Yeah, you want to be. You want to be Audrey, old, rich, and. Plastered. Yes, old, rich, and plastered. That, <laughs> that sounds, sounds like, like a program, doesn't it? That's like a or like four. the name of my autobiography. <laughs> Keep that one. Would that I live that long? That would be fantastic. Keep it for you know twenty, thirty years. 
Sorted. Tw- 20 years I'm going to be old. How dare you? Well, you know, you'll be, you? you'll be nearly 60, just saying. Not quite retirement That's not age, old. I'm going to be working till I'm 78, probably, <laughs> knowing what pensions are up to. Right. God, can you imagine me, 78 years old, being useful at anything? I can't. I'm not useful at anything now. Monday. Platinum Jubilee. Shona is still trying to get Gail to get rid of the elephant statue. <laughs> but Gail refuses because it's not cursed. I did. I don't know how much we talked about this week. I can't remember. But I'm enjoying this story. But I think the inclusion of the elephant statue is a little bit silly. Um, I don't know. I think... Is it is it within Shona's post-shot-in-a-box persona to actually believe this elephant statue is cursed? I'm going to say, I don't necessarily believe in cursed objects, although I would love to believe that things could be haunted, because that's cool. As we know from your nan, you do have the, the ability to I've got the power of the evil eye, people, so yeah. I don't know if I can curse objects, but I can curse people. Um, but I need to look them in the eye. That's the trouble. So mm. it doesn't work on the internet. Or he's only got one good if, eye at the moment. If something kept happening around an object, I might think I might get rid of it. It is a pretty horrible object as well, isn't it? It's beautiful. I love elephants. Anyway. Who is it that... Oh, it's it's um, mum and dad's friend Sheila that's got an elephant collection. She'd love it. Are they cursed? Any of them cursed? I don't know. What should I ask? They have been in good health. Well, one of the things about about Ralph and Sheila is that never get sick, according to, according to dad. So, you never know. Maybe so a maybe, lucky elephant. Yeah, lucky elephant. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? So, like Ganesh. Can we um, talk about Gail? Yes. She, um, she asked, Shona, Gail asked Shona to look after Audrey and Shona begrudgingly accepts on one condition that she throws this elephant away. So Gail agrees to and then as she's tossing it in the bin, along comes Captain Planet, aka <laughs> Maria Connor, and tells her that she needs to dispose of it properly in the brass container at the tip. And um, they just it. give it to her. Like, well, there you go. It's really bad, isn't it? Because the whole environmental storyline really is people making fun of Maria for talking about really important issues. It's a bit like Al Gore in South Park, isn't it? With yeah. the, um, what is it? Man bear pig. Yeah, man bear pig. And they're like, <laughs> whatever. And then it turns out he's real. Maria is totally man bear pig in this situation. Um, it is really sad, but I kind of, I think it's kind of refreshing and I wish that they would use this kind of approach in more, and I've said this before, more controversial issues that they're probably too scared to. I think the environment feels like a bit of a safer shot, you know, because it doesn't relate that, to a person. That relates to all of us. I know, I know. I agree. I think it's really important, but so also I. if I was trying to put something in the bin and somebody came over to me and they were like, <laughs> I'd just go, you go, you do it then. Yeah. Because we have a friend who comes over and he's always going on about the bin, isn't he? Is what it? do we put? Yeah. Our Charlie. Our, our Charlie. He's always like, oh, do you... Do oh, south, down south, Charlie. How much, how much do, do you... What what number plastic? It's like, no, no, you can't put any plastic in our bins. It's not my fault. It just reminds me of that time when I went to have my school exchange in Germany when yes. I was little and they had the, the bin for the tea bag, a bin for the insides of the tea bag and a bin for the little paper tag on the end of the tea bag. And this was like the early 2000s. Yeah. I can't be doing And Michael, this. look... I bet the Maria would love Maria. I mean, the Germans would love Maria yeah, at the moment. Yeah, but can I just say, oh, they've been doing that. super Maria. How long have they been doing that for? What? 20 years? Yeah. And um, look at the planet. As an out, does it? No, but they Might do well have Angela Merkel. She loves the environment. She's she? going. Maybe that's who Maria um, models herself on. I would love Maria to become Angela Merkel. Angela Maria Cool. <laughs> That doesn't work. Well, no, it's just, this is not nonsense now. This, we've got another storyline for, for Maria bashing later. Um, so, they give her this thing. 
Yes. And bugger off. Also, can I just say, if you take this brass elephant to the tip and you try to throw it away, the man that works there, I'm not being sexist, I've never seen a woman working at our local recycling centre, have you? No. The man, the men who work there would just take it off you and sell it in their little thing. Five pounds. For five pounds, which is the maximum they're allowed to charge you. Yeah. And then they pass the curse on. <laughs> so yeah. Maria hasn't even thought this through, has she? <laughs> and the other thing to say, it's all very well recycling, but what if you recycle a cursed object? Does it then become oh, yeah, it many become cursed, cursed objects? It could do, couldn't it? What, can you recycle, the curse? what do you recycle brass into? Teaspoons. Little bells. Teaspoon collection. <laughs> Yeah. Now maybe a, a brass, cursed um, brass bell and when you play it, it, it like summons, summons a Satan. devil. Yeah. yeah. Or like a Maria, bra- what have you done? horse brass. Yeah. We Maria. used to have little brass bells on, on our fire surround when we were little. They were horrible. <laughs> Mum used to polish them. <laughs> oh, all that work and you're just, just so dismissive. <laughs> right, later on, Shona is summoned to school like she's the devil and to, she has to give in a permission slip because some animals... I don't remember this. Are coming mm. to Lily's school? Yeah, there's a little zoo day at, at Weatherfield. That sounds bloody brilliant. Whatever, Did we not get to street. see this? No. Audrey tells her we have that happen at our school sometimes, but they always go to the infant department. I never get to see them. Just a couple of months ago, we had this little what? mobile zoo come and didn't get to see it. That's is rubbish. So they're the, the infants are the ones that get to like raise the little baby chicks and the ducks and everything. They don't do any work, do they? We get we had ladybirds <laughs> once. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, okay, all right. Audrey says, look, you go, I'll be fine. Gail gets home and Shona's back, but Audrey's not. She's gone to the pub. Gail can't believe Shona's let her alone like this. I think this is like asking two toddlers to look after each other, isn't it? (laughs) Um, Gail finds Audrey knocking back the vino in the pub and they have a tussle with a bottle and it ends up with Gail pouring it all over her face. Yeah, I didn't like this. The, the, this is part there are bits of this story this week that I thought was genuinely funny most of which happened on Wednesday but I didn't enjoy the Gail and Audrey tussle because they're, they're both you know um, mature ladies and seeing them having a weak little tussle which was just did just end in Helen Worth going oh no and pouring the bottle all over herself didn't work for me unfortunately um, did you think? Oh, I don't want to... I, d- I agree with you, but I don't want to... don't want to say it. I don't... No, what, what's the point of us both... Like, no, you're wrong, Michael. It's hilarious. It's funny. And also, Gail and Audrey are brilliant. Okay. I do like Gail and Audrey, but that didn't work. Gail has to give up on Audrey and goes... And give, wipes the wine off herself. And her, her jumper was cashmere. 10% cashmere. So <laughs> I understand. That was funny. When Gail was saying it's cashmere and Audrey's like, I'm just 10%. <laughs> <laughs> Love them. Rita comes in to sit with Audrey after hearing about uh, from Gail what's happened, and um, so Rita and Audrey had had a, a feud because Audrey backed into a car, right? Yeah. And uh, everyone, I think we're supposed to have forgotten that. Maybe. Well, no, they also when it was the Queen's birthday earlier in this year, they went, they tried to make up, and then they fell out again, didn't they? Oh yeah. But they talk about getting old, and Audrey's like, I hate it. I really hate it. And um, Daisy says, "Do you know what, ladies?" You're not too old to have some fun. Let's get the tequila out. <laughs> so she makes some tequila and lemonades. They get very sozzled. They head out. Rita Rita drops Audrey off at number eight because she's got to go and she needs to go in to make things up with, with Gail. But <laughs> Audrey comes in and she's like, right, I'm going. I'm going back to Grasmere Drive in a few days and taking back control. So stick it up with your cashmere jumper or whatever. <laughs> that was a great end of the episode. I do, yeah. I, I really... I, 
you know, as you grow older as a person, you begin to realise that everything you were told about ageing is true and it will happen to you, mm. despite you thinking that you'll be young forever. So I'm just on the cusp of really considering this for my own life. And so Audrey's story, even though I'm nowhere near as old as she is, is really resonating with me in a very well, tragic way. It is the perfect story for Audrey, isn't it? Because out of all, I mean, there are lots of glamorous older people in Coronation Street, but Audrey has always been so young at heart. Yes, yeah, she really has been, yeah. And, you know, and she, she is the character who refused to grow up in many ways and she was she's like the Peter Pan of Weatherfield (laughs) yeah she she was all out kind of flirting and everything and and being the bad mum she's a bit like the Eddie Monsoon isn't she from Absolutely Fabulous and and Gail's not exactly Safi but you know yeah she she was always yeah just refusing to grow up so this is perfect when she's faced with the inevitability of ageing this is why we should be robots Wednesday Audrey's bashing on the pub door that open in time because they haven't opened it immediately. She wants to get, she wants to get in. Uh, Daisy lets her in and she starts boozing immediately. She tells, uh, Rita's there and she tells um, her that Gail wishes she would just sit there with jigsaws and the radio on. That sounds like Peter Barlow's life. <laughs> yeah. It and it also really shows you, doesn't it, like how important alcohol is to Weatherfield because there are two ways of being. There's either boozing it up in the pub or you're an alcoholic, you have to sit at home with a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, they probably got the idea off Peter, didn't she? Probably. Rita's like, why don't you get back to work if you want your life back? And she's like, yeah, all right then. So she goes to the barber's and um <laughs> <laughs> then David when she comes in David lets her in and says hello granuid for a, here for a beer trip <laughs> shut up David <laughs> he's so good <laughs> she says this oh, week was the brilliant opportunity for just putting in those kinds of lines for David yeah he's, he's just the king of snark yeah um she starts hunting for her scissors she says she's coming back to work um and then she's actually done a good job on this person and David can smell that she's drunk and she's like, no, just had a little G&T, it's not that bad. And she's, he says, no, you reek of it. You can't cut hair now, you're, you're squiffy. What if a client gives us a bad review? Can you imagine? I can't, what an awful thing to do. Audrey ignores him and poodles off. Then we get Ryan in the barber's chair later. And Audrey's like, got wine now. So she's had a G&T. Audrey and Ryan were brilliant this week because she was like, oh, what a lovely young man. She was... She was kind of half flirting with him, half being a nana to him. Yes, and Ryan is such a good boy starved of attention that he's just playing along with it. Now that his mum's abandoned him like two years ago and hasn't been seen around here since. Remind me, Ryan was which one of Michelle's children? Ryan was the Ryan was the not actual son. So she he was raised by Michelle. Yes, Ryan was No wonder he needs a strong female role model who actually pays attention to him. He's like, oh my God, a matriarch. I must, I must obey everything she says. This is all I've ever wanted. Um, what's the word? Uh, appreciation Mm. from a woman, an older woman. So, um, he's in the barber's chair. She's drinking. She's like, do you want a beer? (laughs) A cheeky beer. Yeah. And just to say, um, people were confused about this. You posted on, um on social media about the fact that the Tremont North does have a bar in it. So I don't understand why David's uh, getting annoyed. If you don't want people to get drunk at work, don't give them alcohol. It's yeah. very, very simple. I can't remember how much they've used of that um, bar set before, but it's definitely always been there. Because when it's we went there, we, there. We, we visited and we had to look and they, we posted some pictures of that, didn't we, of I, the, the selection and the, the menu. I'm pretty sure in the very early days they did mention it a bit more because I think there was something wrong with one of the 
pumps. Was there? Oh, I don't remember. There was. A, I think there was a s- small storyline, something mm. to do that. And I definitely. I think I remember Ryan being behind the bar. Why do I remember no. that? I don't know who Did the licensee is. Do you need to have? Do you? I, I guess to sell somewhere, you'd need to have a licensee. Is that Audrey? Yeah, maybe or she's like. Do Look, we just not have to think about that? Don't think about it. Yeah. So. Um, and also, not all barbers in this country have bars. Oh no, <laughs> they're not called barbers because they have bars in. No, I would you say you don't have barbers and no bar. I would go as far as to say that it is very unusual. Mm. Anyway, um, she goes off to go and get Ryan a beer. David starts cutting his hair. She brings the beer over, and then she starts having a go at David for having crap barbering skills. <laughs> she's still chatting him up later. David has to rescue him, and she's like, "Oh, he's such a lovely young man," and. Um, it looks like, it does look like Ryan's enjoying himself, but David's like, why is he still here? He had his hair cut like hours ago. <laughs> what are you doing with him? And um, he's like, get, get out, get out. And she refuses, but then she trips over the elephant, which is for some reason on the floor. So what did Maria do? I thought that they said that Kelly put it on the floor, but I can't remember how, how it Kelly got back to it? Kelly. Well, Kelly's living with Maria at the moment, isn't she? This I don't is really the rank remember. hypocrisy of these environmentalists, Michael. They go around telling everyone else what to do, but will they do it themselves? No. Maria could have taken that to the recycling centre and had it recycled into lots of cursed teaspoons, but did she? No, she put it on the floor so that it would kill an old woman. <laughs> Typical. But I guess as long as it's not an animal, she doesn't care, does she? No, maybe she's just trying to kill off all the oldies because they're a drain on the planet's resources. <laughs> oh, dear. And they don't believe in global warming and things. They don't, no, exactly. All old people are the same. Mm. I wonder if you understand satire. Just checking. Um, Audrey is sitting in in the seat. I don't know why, what she's doing that for. She's already fired Kelly for being lazy. <laughs> no, she's just sitting in a seat. She's putting her feet up because she's had a tumble, She's fallen she? over. Yeah. I love the fact that she fired Kelly for being lazy and putting the elephant on the floor, which, like, those two things, one of them is an action and one of them is being accused of not doing anything, which I think is great. This is the start of Audrey's firing spree, wasn't it, which is hilarious. Oh, I loved it. I w- you know... She, and she, at one point, I can't remember, did she say it or does David say it? Like, who do you think you are, Alan Sugar or something? Brilliant. Um, David says, you can't fire her. And she says, well, you're fired as well. <laughs> Maria comes into the barbers later and finds Audrey and Ryan playing table football. And Maria finds out that everyone's been fired and she's completely stunned, but it's not long until she's also fired. So she goes over to number eight and tells David and Gail that everyone's been fired, including her. And Gail's worried that Audrey's had a head injury. <laughs> and Maria says, look, she's, I don't think she's hurt her head. I think she's just drunk. <laughs> But she needs to be sorted out. So Gail goes to the barbers and finds Audrey. She's singing and she's sitting in a chair and singing along to a song. And yet again, this, this our is another poor song. Yeah. knowledge of songs. Somebody I'm remember. sure will write in and tell us what she it's was singing along to. It's some like lounge singery kind of thing. It sounded like. I wish I'd paid more attention. It was an old song that um, I did not know. She says, "Can I come in?" And she and. She said she wants murder a cup of tea. I thought that was a really nice little singing scene because often when they have characters. And I'm maybe talking about Gail here, singing along to music. They can just become come across as being a bit imbecilic. But um, this was kind of quite wistful and, and sad, and it was it was not, but but in a nice way. Like she was she was cozy and just enjoying herself and being reflective. It feels to me like there's there's mostly two modes of singing on Coronation Street. There's comedy. I I'm going to make it sound really bad, singing, or there's. I am a good singer and I'm going to try and impress everybody with how great I am at singing. That's the, that's the Barbara Knox singing. I was also, you are, there's quite a few people who've got a good set of pipes on Coronation Street. Brockers. Who, um, 
Yeah. And I quite liked Audrey because she was just doing, it just sounded like she was singing to herself. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, she wasn't performing, was that's she? That's right, that's exactly right. Mm. Um, so, Audrey talks about her life and how, how she used to be respected when she was married to Alf, just to remind everyone, he was the mayor. And um, she knew that people the, loved... Demma, the mayor. The mayor. <laughs> she knew people were laughed at her, but, you know, um, Gail's like, it was always done with affection. And she says, oh, where have all the years gone, Gail? I'm going to unsack David, Maria and Kelly in the morning, but now I'm going to have another glass of wine. And Gail's like, you, no, no, mum, you've been boozing all day long and you're drinking yourself to death. You're not having any more wine. And she says, oh, oh, I see. You can't wait till I die so you can get your hands on all my money. Is that it, Gail? And Gail's like, mum, go home, sleep this off. And Audrey says, no, no, I'm going home to Grasmere Drive. I'm going to get a taxi. And Gail just leads her to it. So Gail, Sarah and David have a crisis meeting about Audrey in the pub. Irony. They can't watch her all the time. And Sarah says they should look up online how to help her. And then Audrey... How about itv.com slash advice? There might be some help there, Sarah, <laughs> if you look there. Um, no, that little snitch just phones her uncle, doesn't she? Meanwhile, Audrey is in the in the barbershop. All the lights are off. She gets scared by Vin Diesel the weasel, falls backwards... Um, holds onto the motorbike to to balance herself and then falls underneath it like she she's auditioning to be um, <laughs> Abby in the oh yeah when she had the motor on top of her in the garage yeah um, yeah for for us for kind of a silly setup as being scared by Vin Diesel the weasel I think that Sue Nichols performed it fairly well didn't she because she was kind of a little bit dopey and out of it or you know, the oh, character drunk. was she not was drunk so, um, yeah and she was just like Wah. And it's, it's a nice, nice little horror shot of Vin Diesel. Nice for him to get a, get a, get a use. It's just nice to. That, it's only been a few weeks that we've been seeing back in the barbers again, hasn't it? And they are using it yeah. well. Yeah, I think so. What's happening with the salon? I don't know, but nice to see this place. We have been, like you said earlier, we have been on the set of the barbershop, but it was a few years ago now, and mm. it is just really chock a block full. It's packed. And I, I, you know, I would fall over if I was drunk in the dark. <laughs> This was just gonna. This is only a matter of time. Yeah. But I do take my hats off to Stu. He managed to to sleep in there overnight without pulling a motorbike down. Oh yeah. I bet he pinched a load of booze while he was there. Oh yeah, but he was sad as that head under the tap. Yeah. Right. Friday. We had it in a in a brown paper bag just to. No, you're just adding to stigma. We don't. No, sorry, Stu. You're lovely. (laughs) Stu's not an alcoholic. Audrey's the alcoholic. She's the old lush here. (laughs) Maligning Stu. On Friday, Gail and David... Maligning stew sounds like a really horrible thing on a menu. (laughs) Friday, Gail and David are on the phone. They're worrying about Audrey. Where is she? David's like, well, I've had to cancel a load of appointments. This was was funny to me because he's been fired, but he's phoning up his clients from his own personal phone so that he can tell them that he is not going to be able to do their appointment today. If only... He had gone into work to do those phone calls there. Yeah. He would have found, have found you know, her. that's that's because he's lazy, just like all oh, this young generation. Audrey was right. David thinks it's family intervention time. Cut Audrey's still under the motorbike. Like, this is the worst blanket I've ever had. <laughs> Platt family meeting at Speeddale, and they've invited Peter, the alcoholic, round to scare into giving up the booze. He's basically there to give her, them advice. Like, how do we deal with this problem? And he says, look, don't go in heavy-handed. It's going to cause more harm than good. I Just think that scared. maybe Carla would have done a bit of a better job being a fellow, fellow lush woman 
who likes a taste of the high life. I think Audrey might have been able to um, um, I don't know. I identify don't... with her oh, more. I don't know. If I was Audrey, I don't think I'd like Carla. I think she'd know better than she should be. She's a bit sour-faced, isn't she? Yeah. Can be. She's also not a very particularly caring woman, no. which is, you know, I... fine, good. All, women don't have to care for people. I think she should do what she wants. Oh, yeah, because it was, was it this week? I can't remember even which story we put this in, where Carla was was um, invited round to Sarah's to go and look at her floor, and as she was working like, down oh, the street, great. talking to Peter and saying, oh, we're probably going to have to look at her kids' art or something. That I thought was that was brilliant. great. Yeah, it's like, so yeah, good. that's right. Not every woman cares about flooring people's kids or looking after alcoholic grandmothers. <laughs> So, um, they basically, they think... I think they're right here. I think that he might have some insight. But unfortunately, I think a lot of his insight is bad news for Audrey. Because mm. if she truly is an alcoholic in the same way that Peter was, she ain't got enough years left in her for the redemption arc that took God knows how... <laughs> like, 20 well, years? He has been an alcoholic for 20 years now, at least. Yeah. yeah because we're seeing the beginnings of this on, um, on Classic, aren't we? Brian and Elaine are outside. That's right, Elaine's back, everybody. We yeah. can't get rid of her. <laughs> what is going on? Every time Elaine goes, I think, okay, that started well, that character. But I she went like off the rails her coming a little back. Bit. I don't mind her. I, don't, I just, just, as long as she's not involved in her son's sex life, she's tolerable. Mm. I like, we liked her. I did. Maybe, maybe this maybe, will be the opportunity yeah, to. Maybe she gets her herself, herself involved in some other business and mm. she might not be so annoying. Well, you know, now that Brian is free and single. Oh, maybe, maybe this was it, yeah. Brian and Elaine, they're outside. Brian's trying to get into the barber shop, and then she's she's talking to him, and then they both hear Audrey going, help, help me, help me. Brian runs off to help. He does, like, this weird piston arm sprinting, and he seems to sprint around the street for half an hour before he realises that the plats are next door. Yeah. <laughs> in, in speed dial. Um... He passes the taxi and out from the taxi comes Stephen. Who's Stephen? Stephen Reed. Uncle Stephen from Canada yeah. slash Milan. Yes, they both got a shout out his, uh, his homes today. So this is Stephen Reed, Gail's brother, because I think there's he hasn't been in the show he since... He's half-brother. Half-brother, yeah. Okay. He hasn't been in the show since 2007, maybe I'm going to say. So that was a nice... Well, I'm not going to say surprise. We didn't know he was going back. But it was a nice surprise when we heard that he was Would've going back. Would have been more exciting if we didn't know that he was... Just like Wendy Crozier. I, th- I, think, I think the Wendy thing we said last week, when she was revealed towards the end of... Was it Friday's episode or Wednesday? I can't remember. And we said if if they had left that as a complete surprise, that would have been an amazing shock. I think if Stephen popping out of the taxi had been left as a surprise, it'd be like, oh, okay. Because there's only so much excitement you can get out of Stephen Reed. Because just thinking back at his storylines, he hasn't been... That that brilliant of a character, but I will. He's not particularly titillating, although he certainly got Alma Baldwin's motor going at one point. <laughs> that was the story in his first. He he kind of comes over the the, the backstory, but again, very very briefly, um, ad hoc Stephen Reed backstory was that he was the the secret son, the first son that Audrey had when she was younger, but um, she was made by her father to give him up to the Reed family. Um, who then emigrated over to Canada, and it wasn't until the late nineties that Audrey revealed to Gail the secret: "You've got another, you've got another brother." Um, and then I think he's in, he's involved in the rag trade or something, and he works with I'm going to say Angie Freeman Why and Mike the Baldwin. Rag trade, like you're an insider. That's what Mike you don't even know the difference it. between a skirt and a dress. 
<laughs> um, and and then he he had I think Mike counterfeit some of his gear something 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 I don't remember too much. K Beck Audrey fancies him. Yeah, K Beck is right. Well done. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he, and then he buggered off again. Then he came back in again with um, around Sarah Lou's first exit story because he was going to offer David a place in his um, factory or whatever it is in Milan, but because David's been a very naughty boy around then. Or Sarah Lou sets him up, or something like that. He ends up giving Sarah the job anyway. That's kind of a, in a nutshell who Stephen Reed is. So, businessman with a Canadian accent. That's this is the thing. Everyone says who all the Canadian uh, viewers say that's a really really bad Canadian accent, don't they? Whereas Do me, they? I'm, well, yeah, because he's actually American. Is he? The guy who plays him is American. I can't remember where they said he's from. Ohio, maybe. Um, and, and apparently he's putting on a bad Canadian accent, but I don't know what a Canadian accent sounds like. My my experience of Canadian accents is South Park, and I don't think you all sound like that. <coughs> no. Frightened from Red Dwarf, which is... Also an Englishman. An Englishman man. putting on a Canadian accent. And, and, and an Alanis Morissette. But, and um, I if, if Stephen had opened his mouth and sounded like her, then that would have been a bit unusual. Okay. So, we anyway. apologise on behalf of the nation of... The, the, the collected nations of the United Kingdom to Canada mm. for repeatedly abusing your accents. Yeah, I, I have got no idea what Canadians are supposed to sound like, unfortunately. I thought they were Tell you what, this is a perfect similar. opportunity for is, Canadian listeners. Send us in a voicemail, yes, please. We've got a voicemail like. for ages. Now let's I had have a, a true Canadian here I used to have on the podcast. A friend who was French Canadian and she had an amazing voice. French Canada. Yes. And Would you like some cheese? <laughs> Would you like a moustache? <laughs> um. Now, I was just thinking this kind of reminds me because lots of lots of actors who you think are American actually stealth Canadians. Yeah, I know. This is the thing. I probably right? do know lots of Canadians but don't realise. This reminds me of what it's like often. with... Um, we have lots of actors you might think are English, but they're not. They're stealth Welsh mm. or they're stealth Scottish. Stealth Welsh. Yeah, or they're stealth Irish. Just like Phil's home is stealth Welsh, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, stealth Welsh. <laughs> in Cardiff. And then they sort of burst out and go, ha-ha, I'm actually <laughs> Scottish. And I play James Bond and you didn't know. <laughs> anyway, so that's, that's Stephen Reid. Really nice to see him back on the show again. Um, let's see how he does. Gemma, back to you. What does Stephen get up to? Thank you, Michael. Back to the story. Back to you in the studio. <laughs> I don't know where he I am. He overacts, that's what he does. No. He did. I saw other people saying it. I don't mind I Stephen. He, he got better as the episode went on. He was very excited. Yeah, it was a bit... I bit... feel like they should have gone 20% less mm. and maybe not... I don't know how what order they filmed it in, but it felt like maybe that was his first scene and it... Maybe. Maybe should have eaten. I don't know, I know why. Know. I don't know why Stephen um, decided for the taxi to that drop him off right question. outside of Trimmer North rather than Grassmere Drive or Number Eight. But... Well, the thing is, Audrey was last seen going. I'm bugger this. I'm going home. To yeah. Grassmere Drive, and um, she also has not set foot in Trim Up North for years before this week. No. And. So it's what, very, yeah, so lucky. very strange that he decided to come here because, as, as far as we know, Uncle Stephen's never been to trim up north he's a bit of an Uncle Stephen isn't he like a bit like Uncle Ronnie and yes, an Auntie is, Pam yes I'm I'm the I'm the what's the word I'm I'm kind of the moon I'm orbiting the main family here yeah I'm not <laughs> Uncle what's the uncle of the Windass family Uncle Len yes and of course the most uh, cl- classic of all uncles Uncle Fred yes I do love a good uncle mm. so um, Uncle Stephen goes rushes out he's like I'm the Canadian superhero 
goes to the barbers. Oh, there's a new episode of The Boys that's out now, Gemma, that we can watch. We'll watch that later today. Anyone else watching The Boys? Love it. Bit rude. It's very rude. Do not watch it if you're young <laughs> or unmarried. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stephen Reed bursts out of the um, taxi, goes to the barbers. Elaine's like, oh, there's a lady inside. He looks through the letterbox and he can see. Imagine this. Imagine... Has he come from Milan or has he come from Canada? I, th- I don't think they said. I think they were kind of a bit hazy from, with can, it. It must have come from Milan because it's. He got know, there quite quick. Just drive, they? just drive down the motorway, and you're here, aren't you? Yeah. Um, imagine coming all the way from another country because you're worried about your mum, and you get to a, you get to the where she works, and you look through the letterbox, and she's on the floor under a. How how has she what been a in a handy coincidence? Shut up. How has she managed to? Um, what's the word? She's been in a road traffic accident inside Barbers. She's underneath a motorbike. <laughs> How have you done this, Audrey? <laughs> so, Stephen heroically kicks down the door. They find her on the floor. Elaine calls an ambulance. Stephen's panicking. Audrey's like, oh, am I dreaming? Oh, my dear son's come to rescue me. Peter tells the family. I reckon... Meanwhile, back in speed dial. Yeah, Peter's saying to everybody, um, I think you should. one of you should talk to her. Not all of you, because it might be a bit confronting. And Nick says, I'll do it. Like, who wants Nick to have a lecture? He says, I'm the most sober of you all. Is like, that what he said? Something like that, yeah. I think he's confused I've got the sober most serious with face. <laughs> <laughs> Brian rushes down. Uh, it doesn't p- piss me. He's still, he's been doing this. I think this. Nick would wear me down quickest out of all of those. Qu- Nick like, would okay, just give you Nick. no choice, would he? Just, like, just grin at you till you agreed to mm. all of his demands. Brian, Brian rushes down, tells them about the fact that he's calling for help. Uh, Audrey's calling for help. So they go out there. This was not a very well acted scene either. Sorry, Gunny. But when it, well, it wasn't his fault. It was the script, really. But when he was going, oh, yeah, but I, I went outside and I heard, help, help. And it was kind of like a comedy relaying of the message that well, I was thinking, there's a casualty within your place of employment. Yeah, but I liked that scene because it told me as a viewer, this is not a serious storyline. Don't worry, Audrey's going to be okay. Hmm. And it also made me think, I can make fun of this storyline on the podcast oh, without people good. having to go at me because I'm not <laughs> taking it seriously. Fair enough. And I also think that this is, I think this is a good, this is Coronation Street being a bit more confident here about its issue storylines because sometimes they can lose sight a little bit of well, what they're trying. Too preachy. too preachy. or too comedy or I'm, I don't really get what I'm supposed to get out of this. Like, is this just going to be a throwaway five minute issue like we had with the CPAP machine and George which I've not heard a word of since um, this feels like a more mi- of a mix you know there's the comedy stuff there's the serious stuff and they're doing this really well this is balance yeah. I think this is really a really nice balanced storyline and the reason that I think they can do this is because the plats are a collection of characters who can do both serious and comedy storylines mm. yeah no you're absolutely right so um they, they all gather outside and they can see this ambulance there. What the hell's going on? And who's in there? And what, why is Stephen here? And um, Stephen's very annoyed with everybody. <laughs> He's like, uh, why did I have to come and find her? I live in Milan. <laughs> You're next door all boozing it up with an alcoholic. What are you up to? <laughs> so then we get a really nice um, sibling rivalry with Stephen and Gail. So Stephen and Gail take... Go to the, they go to the hospital, they're in the waiting room together and um, they get talking and um, find, find out that it's Sarah who had phoned Stephen to let him know that things were on a slippery slope, which is why he came. And, I, you know, Gail, if I was Gail, 
well, she says, Sarah shows up and Gail's not very impressed with her because um, she's ratted, she's been ratted out to Stephen. And Sarah's like, look, I did exaggerate a little bit to get him to come. But if I was Gail, I'd be annoyed because it's like, well, don't you think we could have dealt with this? Why did you ask Stephen? You're basically saying you don't trust me. And we, we just had a meeting about it. Hmm. Anyway, some um, a nurse or doctor comes and says, Audrey's got a ruptured spleen. You got to sign this form. And she gives it to Stephen, which I think puts Gail's nose out of joint a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While they wait, Gail talks to Stephen about how he was always mum's favourite. And he says, look, it's easy to be the favourite when you're not here, okay? And I, I, I came back because I thought this might be my last chance to have a proper relationship with her. Um, and if, I, if she doesn't pull through, I'm going to just be so full of regrets. And we're all... Well, I wasn't worried, were you? No, I, I thought that she'd probably be okay. But I like, I, I like not being toyed with. Yeah. So Sarah, David and Nick all get a message on the plat chat later on saying that Audrey's out of surgery. All went well. Thank goodness for that. Turns out you can lie under a motorbike at the age of 80 whatever and you'll be fine the next day. <laughs> um, Gail and Stephen are out there when Audrey wakes up and and she... Oh, this was terrible, wasn't it? This is so awful. Audrey wakes up. Poor Gail. She's a bit out of it. She sees Stephen. She's like, oh... Oh my, my beautiful son. son! Oh, you've you've come to save me! Oh, oh, and Gail's here. Oh, great! Will you bugger <laughs> off, Gail? Basically, she tells her to get lost. She does. And Gail goes off, and she has a little sad sit in the corridor. Yeah. Which I thought was a bummer way to end the episode. It was, it was well, really, it really what, did end on a downer, didn't it? Gail it was, with her massive hair almost clouding over her face like cousin it. Shut up. Um, I enjoyed this week. I thought Wednesday was a really good comedy Wednesday was certainly highlight. the highlight of the why, week. Why end it like with poor Gail being rejected by her mum? Yeah, I, I, yeah, it was a bit... I mean, it's not Audrey... unusual for episodes to end in a downer. No. But I think partly um, the problem I had with the ending this week is that I was really, really enjoying Audrey for the rest of the week and her reaction to Gail in that yeah, final scene made exactly me like, like oh, say. you've left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth now, actually, Audrey. Yeah, yeah, I think I think maybe... I may, is, the, is the moral we're supposed to get from this? Like, yeah, you're watching this as an outsider. Audrey's fun. You can make all the memes you want online and talk about how funny it is that she's, she's an alcoholic grandma and, you know, oh, she's rebel blah 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 fun 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 but actually if you're gail it's not funny at all it's sad mm. and yeah. you think about that over the weekend you bunch of monsters <laughs> um yeah so i i did have some sympathy for gail towards the end um but it's it's an it's a good diamond dynamic they've now got with the the prodigal son yeah and, and gail and uh, I, d- I don't know what st- how long Stephen's going to be staying around for and everything whether it's just for the story or whether he's staying for a bit longer but it could be quite fun I like like bringing people back, um, so yeah. This this was a this is a good week. Lots lots of funny stuff. I and um, one of one of the other funny bits that we didn't mention specifically earlier was when um it was the shot scene um, between Audrey and Rita and uh, Rita also good drunk. On, yeah. On that one was that Tuesday's episode or Wednesday? I can't remember. Mm. It almost felt like a few ad libbed lines from Barbara Knox there, where she was like, "They were yeah. they left the pub and she was like, oh, where are we going now?'" And uh, I want to say something. I loved all that. I think there's quite a few actors on Coronation Street who are really good at drunk playing, and I think mm. if you said to them, "What's the secret?" they'd say, "The secret is 
I'm always drunk. <laughs> Do you reckon? Is that... I'm not... Cal- no, I just wanted to make that joke. I don't, don't think that anybody <laughs> has a substance abuse problem or coronation street, nor do I, I know. Hope not. No, but <laughs> it would be a very easy way of doing it, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so Audrey did humorous very, very well. How was Gail serious when it counted this I week? I thought good. I thought it was okay. She, she sometimes is a bit kind of wide-eyed in her delivery she's of things. always been like that though um that's just how that's just what she's like i thought that the scene where it was just her and gail in the in the salon on uh, sorry her and audrey in the salon on wednesday it's not a salon it's a barbershop barbers same thing to me um it was it was nicely done but um i like that scene i, I really like the, that that kind of scene yeah yeah but did she, should she have abandoned audrey in the end or should she have stuck with her because she ends up giving up it, do you right how old is audrey do like, we know near 80 ish I don't know how old she is. I mean, so old that it doesn't particularly matter. She's jo- <laughs> jolly old and maybe shouldn't be left alone. But I was... Uh, no, I don't no, know whether right. Gail should have like manhandled her out or something. I don't know, I don't know whether she'd have been able to. But she is her mum. It's not that, It's not necessarily her responsibility. And, and if Audrey's the one demanding um, independence, then maybe Gail was right to, to leave her there. She didn't know that a motorbike would fall on top of her. So, so Sue Nichols, who plays Audrey Roberts, is seventy-eight. I don't, I do not know how old. Audrey will be older than that, then, because yeah. Audrey is definitely older than Sue is. Oh yeah, yeah. Because um, actually, this will blow your mind if you didn't know already. But um, Sue Nichols is seventy-eight, and Helen Worth, who plays her daughter, is seventy-one. Yeah, not much. So, in it. <laughs> not much, <laughs> not much in it at all. Um, yeah. Anyway, so that was all. I was good. only asking because I'm thinking. Um, you know, this is the, I tell you what, this is the dilemma though, isn't it? As your parents age and we haven't got to this stage yet and I'm certainly not looking forward to having to deal with, with worrying about this, but I don't think, I don't know. I, I don't Please, think any of our three our remaining fingers. parents are going to turn into massive no, luscious no, in you're their not twilight listening to years. What I'm just trying to say. Cross fingers, we never have to worry about this, but at what stage does your parent turn from that, well, they're, you know, they're an adult to actually know they do need me for... X, Y, Z. Well, this is and something th- that, that so many people do come. have to go yeah. through. Yeah, you, know, you have to look after them. and mm. But but they also are human beings with their own autonomy. It's not your job. Or is it? That's the question. This is a very, very interesting dilemma. It kind of always has been for humanity through time, hasn't it? I'm not saying it's Especially a new Especially with, um, you know, families... In- Back in the olden days, all living together in one house, and well, that was a, that was a more preferable thing, wasn't it? Because everyone cares for each other as you need it. Yeah. Whereas we all live, well, mostly independent lives. Younger generations, unfortunately, having to live with their parents for longer than they hmm. would prefer, I would imagine. But um, we all live quite independently of each other, and you don't know hmm. unless you check in. Yeah. So I... I think this is a really interesting story. To, to, to tackle for Coronation Street, especially mm. given that these characters have been in the show for decades and we've watched them grow older mm. and many of us will be thinking, this reminds me of my family dynamics. Mm. It's, it, I just think it's great that, I know that she's been easing off her number of appearances in the last few years, but it's good that, they, that Audrey is still able to handle a big-ish story like this and, a, and an action scene and everything as well. well I, know. I thought the stunt was quite good. She clearly had a stunt woman being crushed by a motorbike, but <laughs> I, I enjoyed that that well, moment. You say that, but like we just said, 
the actress who plays Audrey is only seven years older than the actress who plays Gail. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I can I give a quick shout out before we move on to Shona again this week. Oh. Still absolutely killing it with her um her her, her sarcasm and I uh, love the bit where where um they <laughs> she's just being very deadpan about like is Audrey gonna die. And um, oh, yeah, when she goes scanning. and she gets a scan, she's like, oh, that's good. They wouldn't have bothered scanning her if they thought she, unless they saw a point. Yeah, that was so And funny. then she said, and then who says? Somebody comes and asks how Audrey is and she's like, scannable. I love that. I think <laughs> that I'm going to use so that good. to describe my that own. brilliant. Because it just means she's alive. Yeah. And there's hope. Um, and, and that's how also... I feel about myself a lot of the time. I am alive and there's hope, but I can't say much beyond it. She was harassing George for funeral discount as well at one point, wasn't she? She's so funny. <laughs> She's great. Shona is having a little renaissance at the moment. Blunt Shona. In, in the final months before Julia Golden goes off on maternity leave, I'm glad that they're getting some decent use out of her. <clears throat> um, but let's stick with the plats and move on to the next story. The Max drops his slacks. And I've also been really quite impressed by Paddy Beaver these last few weeks as well. I was very kind of down on him maybe in my head or out loud I can't remember you'll have to go back and listen but um I think the problem that that Paddy Beaver has got and I said this to you earlier this week is that it's absolutely impossible to not compare him to Jack P Shepard at his age and he was such a a, a, an amazing child actor he he teenage Jack P. Shepard, teenage David was wonderful. I mean, even pre-teen David was when he was the, the cheeky little scamp when he was like 10, 11 years old. But all the way through his teenage years, he was one of the best characters on Coronation Street. His delivery of, of everything, the sarcasm, the, the evil glares, the <coughs> the out-and-out out comedy, it was it's... all perfect. And, and Paddy Beaver has got huge, huge shoes to fill there yeah. here, which he can't possibly. But if you try and put that out of your mind... He's actually not that bad. Michael, what a backhanded compliment. He's actually kind of good. Okay. Well, look, I think it's easy to forget it recently because Jack P. Shepard has not been in the show as much as he has been in previous years. But he's, you know, a bit of an acting prodigy, a bit of a very special kind mm. of character. And, uh, you know, if, if, you're, if you're casting his son... Mm. It's it's difficult. Yeah, it is. Uh, you got as I say, you got um, a lot but to live up to. But can I just point out too, the actor can only work with what they're given, and it's difficult sometimes for the writers and the actors to collude in a way that works with both of them to produce a really good character. Yeah. Like like sometimes it is an instant hit, and sometimes people will flail for a couple of years. Before they really get their groove. Yeah, until the writers find a voice for them. Oh, and it, it's not even necessarily that. It's yeah, it's all working in synergy, and especially because of COVID, I can imagine it's been very difficult mm. to to work like in that way. And sometimes I think it's it's a happy accident, or maybe you know it's <laughs> could just be the years of experience they mm. have. But it just sometimes it immediately works, and sometimes it doesn't. And I think it's Max's character has been kind of waiting a little bit but I would say the same about Todd yeah I was just thinking that about Todd because they, they didn't knew, really know what to do just with him say, they knew to how to write role. for Todd they knew how to write for that character they didn't know how to write for the actor who was playing Todd because he was a different person mm. but now I think they've got it yeah. don't you? yeah and I think we're seeing that more for Max as well. I'm still never never completely sure about whether we should be sympathising with Max or hating but him. But that's because good. We've seen his despicable side and also but his like vulnerable this. side this year. 
I yeah, like I this. Do. I really like Max. I like the fact that he's unapologetically grey. He is he's a villain, he's a hero, he's a vulnerable victim, he's the perpetrator. Mm. And I don't think that's I think that's a very honest way of telling the story of a teenage boy or girl yeah. who's kind of going through a period where they're not really sure they the thing is about Max, he doesn't even know who he is. How are we supposed to know? And I think that's honest. I think that's true to what it's like to be a teenager and look, look, search for who you are. Mm. Well, he certainly got a taste of his own medicine this week, didn't he? I think he? a lot of people were very gleeful to see him uh, squirm. I think it's a bit he's, mean. He's been through the ring of this year. So far, we're only halfway through the year, and so far he's been pushed down the stairs, <laughs> cut his crotch open on a jagged window, and now had um, had been catfished. Oh, Which is a term that kid. I can sometimes forget what they mean. But that catfishing is when you pretend to be somebody else on the internet in order to try and get someone else to do something, isn't it? That's what Bernie was so. doing to Kel a few years ago when she was pretending to be a young kid interested in drumming lessons. Now, if, but, yeah, I think if you want to listen to an unbelievable story about catfishing on the internet, you need to listen to My Sweet Bobby, which is the series, podcast series, about somebody who had this, had a catfishing incident happened to them and it is quite unbelievable and i'll say no more than that thank you very much for the recommendation yeah so monday max wants a haircut because he's got this big date with sonia the lovely girl from from the pru um coming up later today and dad's like yeah i suppose i can i can squeeze you in can i ask you do you remember what the names of his friends were no okay because he had he has two friends yes well he thought they were his friends his scally mates (laughs) um and they at one point, they looked like the three see-no-evil monkeys because <laughs> the haircuts, oh they all gosh. had the same hair, but one of them had, like, I'm going to go to the left with my fringe, and the other one was like, I'm going to go straight down with my fringe, and the other one was like, well, I'm going to go up with my fringe, and that was it. It was like, you're indistinguishable from each other, boys. They've all kind of got, yeah, shaved around the back it's of it. It's all shaved around the back, l- and, and like a big old fronts. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit like Gary Windass, isn't it? He's also Yeah, it's a, that must be the in thing. Like, must, why I does don't. your hair not look like that? Yeah, maybe next time I go to the barbers, I say, can you make me look like one of the cool people from Coronation Street, please? I remember when the good old, in the good old days when a boy, if he wanted to, to um, what's the word, advertise his studliness to the, the women, mm. he would have curtains. Yeah, well, we would Adam all go, Rickett, who can forget oh, that? look at those curtains. <laughs> when were they coming back? We're just, I'm sure that what the boys have got on their heads is really, really cool at the moment. We're just coming across as old fuddy-duddies. Oh, I, I don't think it looks uncool. I just think it looks funny. I Honestly, if, you, if you're being fashionable and you don't look a bit funny and weird, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> right, so Max um, is telling his mates later about um, booking a table at the bistro later and they kind of rib him a bit about what's going to happen Ooh, afterwards. And they pass him a condom. What? Don't know. So this is just getting him into the idea because it turns out that it's later them who were the ones that were catfishing him. So I don't think he had any um, concept of the fact that this date would turn into a a, a bonking session, but or 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 anything where he he would be revealing his private parts to young Sonia, and they're like, yeah, she she wants to see it, so Um, here's something to put on it. I would not. Knowing what we know at the end of the week, 
take a condom from these two reprobates because they've probably put a pin in it. Yeah, I was totally expecting the um, the condom to fall out of his pocket at yeah. some point because he then goes to the hairdressers later, doesn't he? And um, Maria's there at the barbers and David cajoles her into cutting Max's hair and I thought that it would fall out of his pocket, but they didn't go down that route at all. Um, but what they do have happen to him is he receives a text message on his phone from Sonia saying <laughs> that she wants a picture of the full package so that she can see what she's getting beforehand and he looks absolutely terrified of this as would probably quite a lot of no, people no don't do position. it Max this is like oh honestly we don't understand do we no, don't, don't understand don't these pressure people for nudes and don't don't send them. No. I'm going to suggest. Really not a good idea. Uh, but I think they did do quite a good job of this storyline also not coming across as too preachy. Because it clearly was like a, 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 a well, cautionary tale to cautionary. the youths of watching yeah. Coronation Street. But um, yeah, honestly, you shouldn't need telling. Really, really shouldn't. Well, no. I mean, I, I struggle with this a lot because we all I don't want... things when we were young. I don't want to be a... I don't want to be a prude and I don't want to come across as the sort of person who would say, well, if you don't want to get pregnant, just never have sex, you know. But I, I do, can't can't see the benefit of sending somebody a nude photo. Hmm. I can see many downs. <laughs> and maybe they'll like the picture, but I just don't. I think the risks are too great. Yeah. So he, um... I don't want to I don't want to tell people what to do. I, I well, want to tell people not to don't do, do don't do this especially if you're only 15 yeah don't do that no definitely don't do it if you're 15 so Max comes home later and he's a bit embarrassed yeah to find I keep Audrey forgetting there. that he's 15 mm-hmm. but, um, but Audrey disappears off to the pub probably a little bit later than that so he kind of heads upstairs and he's starting to untuck his shirt or something goes upstairs takes the snap and then later on meets Sonia off the bus and um, she doesn't mention this picture at all and uh, I think he's kind of a bit like, oh, why aren't we saying anything about this amazing picture I just sent you? Because he's he, he probably quite rightly is worried about what she thought about it. So anyway, he takes her off and says that he's got a surprise for her at the bistro. And they seem to be hitting it off quite well there. And eventually Max does bring up the picture, which she seems to have no knowledge of. And that moment there where she's like, I don't know what picture you're talking about. The, the look of kind of horror on his face and me as part of the audience thinking, oh my gosh, what's happened here? Because I, I just... I didn't see this coming at all. I didn't know that it was going to be a catfishing storyline. I was like, oh no, poor Max, what's happened to him here? So it turns out, I kind of missed part of it, but basically all the times that he's been chatting, I don't know whether it's just been through his phone or whether it was... It must have been through the laptop as well, wasn't it? The boys knew about the hench thing later. I think she... Every conversation he's had with Sonia that wasn't in person is fake. Yeah, I think that was what it was supposed to be. And Max realises that he may have sent this uh, picture of his penis off to this mystery and him, and person. The rest of and the re- I don't know. I don't think they were completely clear they, about what I the picture was. The we know that, 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 that Willie's did feature in it, but whether well, it was more the than, full he's got package, more than one. I'll take a photo of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because they, they, I, I saw later on when they were showing pictures of his phone um, where the text message of the picture would have appeared. It was like blurred out and so it's tap to show the picture. Yeah, yeah. How who, does your who phone has an operating know? system like that? Who'd want to have to tap on a picture to actually see it? Because I know Twitter Twitter knows, doesn't it? Oh, like, does it? this is a sensitive image. You want to see it? Oh, yeah, you're right. But does your is your phone looking at your pictures going, that's a willy. That's a penis. going to have to get rid <laughs> yeah. of that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But um, anyway, so he rushes off and goes and freaks out in the ginnel. I would be absolutely... That's the worst. That that really, really is. Just betrayal. Just sickening. Yeah. Terrifying. 
I'd be, I would, I'd be sick at this. And he's texting this this mysterious number and like saying, "Why are you doing this to oh. me?" And uh, he gets the message back, money emoji, a grand, or your picture goes viral. So he goes back home, not in any mood for David's jokes about his date ending early. I just want to say, if you want to, put, if you if you're worried and you still want to send a nude, maybe cut your head off. And then you'd be like, whatever, it could be anyone's penis. That's a really good point, actually. And I suppose that shows that Max must have featured his whole self in the snap. Otherwise, yeah. he just said, well, there's there's no proof that it's me. Unless he's, unless he's got a tattoo somewhere. That says, Max. If found, please return to number eight, Coronation <laughs> Street. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, anyway... So the, the, oh, problem, the, the problem that Max kind of realises over the course of the episode is that he could get into a lot of trouble for this. And this is true. Yeah, because he's, he's out with his mates in Victoria Gardens, was it, I think, later, and one of them says, oh, the, one of them says, you should go to the police. Now, this is weird, uh, because he's the one that's done this. Yeah but, he, yeah, but he says you should go to the police because it's a setup for his other mate to say, oh, no, 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 what if the police do you for sending a pornographic photo? Because I think if yeah. Max had been left to his own devices to come up with the decision to go to the police, he might he might have actually gone and done it. So these people okay. are putting the idea you in his head for him before... They're being very clever. Yeah, before sort of poo-pooing it, I suppose. Um, and he'll get sent to the prison for perfs. Yeah, you sent a po- pornographic picture to a minor, or at least attempted to. Who knows where the picture actually went yeah. to. I don't know how old his mates are supposed to be. I'm guessing the same age, but if he's he's only like three, four months away from being 16 anyway, so it could be that they are a little bit older than him. I can't remember. Anyway, yeah, he's going to be sent to a prison for pervs. Um, and Max says, well, we're just n- nothing to it then. We're going to have to pay this money. Back at home, um, Shona is asking Max about how the date went. And he says, look, it doesn't look like Sonia was who I thought that she was. Uh, and Sonia says, look, don't worry about it. Let's have a let's have a takeaway tonight. Let's take your mind off it. Go and get your dad's wallet. And yeah, and he goes and hovers over David's credit card. So he's clearly intending to pinch thousand pounds from David. What could possibly go wrong there? Um, Max pretends to be David and tries to do a phone transfer over to his own bank, but he kind of chickens out when he's asked for a security number. Um, I chicken not... out when my bank asked me for a security number as well. Yeah, so I, don't, I, don't I never know what, what it is. Oh, all you have to do is say, I don't remember. And yeah, then they say, okay, tell me the first right. line of your address. What's your grandma's name? Yeah. Like, I don't know that either. Ask what's your grandma's favourite tipple? No, your great grandma's favourite tipple. What's your, what's your grandma's favourite TV show? It's Coronation Street. <laughs> um, so anyway, he isn't able to do that. But um, when he goes to the barbers later, David has clearly been informed that somebody tried to do this. Would that happen? I don't know. Um, but he says, right, somebody tried to hack into my bank account. Um, what's going on? Matt tries to act all innocent, but they say, well, no <laughs> point. We know it was you. Because he, he doesn't have the greatest of poker faces, does Max, <laughs> no, does he? A <laughs> bit like George. He's just got the wide Whoa. eyes, like deer in the headlights Dolph. look. And uh, Dave, so David and Shona set to grilling uh, Max. And this was another brilliant Shona moment because... Um, David is the, doesn't quite get what's happened, but David Shona picks up on it, doesn't she? That he, he says, I can't remember what exactly it is that Max says. It's like, oh, somebody asked me to send a picture to them. And Shona's like, oh, whoa. And then yeah, she kind yeah, of has yeah. to give a little little sign to David. I love the that. fact, can I just say that, even though Shona has um, had her struggles with understanding social situations since she was shot in a box, she, she obviously knows more things 
uh, well, she's more smeet street smart than, than David is for sure. He's had a fairly privileged upbringing, well, as privileged as you can if you've been driven into a canal among other horrors. Oh yeah, but so privileged. Anyway, um, so David's like, well, we need to go straight to the police, and Shona says, straight to the Ross. There's no way. That's a. Li- it's illegal what he's done. We can't do that. Um, and Max says, yeah, and Sh- Sonia's underage, so it's just. Um, do you, me, do you want me to do a here. bit of a thing about what the law actually is? Have you been doing some research? Go okay, so it. yeah, it is illegal for, for you to have a sexual image of anyone under the age of 18. And that does not necessarily only include naked pictures. It could be underwear pictures or anything. Oh, really? Yeah, I know. It's, it's, um, it's illegal to share them. It's illegal. We must have talked about this when we had Asha's story. Mm. You, if you send nudes and you're under 18 and the other person is also under 18, you're both doing something illegal. Yeah. Now, I don't think it's necessarily true that the police would do something to prosecute you, but you also have to bear in mind that any of these pictures could be sent to anybody else. And those people that view that picture might not be looking at it in the same way that your 15-year-old girlfriend mm. would be looking at them in. Exactly. So if you um, if you do have any... If you're, if you're listening to this and you're under 18 and you have any more questions, Childline does have some really online some really good um like pages about what to do and why why you probably shouldn't do it yeah and talking about your psh teacher please don't if you're under 18 just please just remember there's a lot more you can be 80 under a motorbike just think about how many years you've got ahead of you to send new pictures (laughs) when you're over 18 you don't need to if it was audrey sending new pictures of herself there's no problems i don't mind yeah 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 whatever whatever yeah just don't just please be careful because you could make yourself a criminal. <laughs> and, the, and it's the law is there to protect you. That's the thing. And I think in this situation, I, I do think that Max and... I think they're worrying needlessly because I think the fact that these other boys have tricked him into sending them the photo, they, forgot, they, they haven't mentioned because it's not convenient for them to say this, but they have also committed a crime by receiving those pictures. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they wouldn't be able to... That's kind of, um, you know, that's... that's The blackmail shouldn't really work in that case because Max and Shona and David don't understand the law properly, really. They know that it's illegal to send the picture, but they haven't really thought through that it's also Look, illegal to get the at picture. At this stage in the week, they don't realise... It's double jeopardy. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah, except the problem for Max is when it all comes out, they can still press that send button because if they're already, you know... Yeah, but then it becomes it does, another crime it on worse, top. It's like it? yeah. then it's like revenge porn and yeah, yeah. Anyway, by the end of Monday's episode, Max is begging David to give whoever this mystery blackmailer is the money. Um, and Wednesday, he tries to skive off school. Oh, I feel so bad for him. I know. You must imagine how sick you'd feel. You'd feel absolutely. You feel like you've ruined Every, your whole I'm, life. I'm sure everyone's been in a situation where you felt that you've done something wrong and you don't know what's what going to do. happen and if you, you go into ruined. work or school yeah. or whatever the next day. Horrible. Yeah, really, Poor really kid. is. Um, he's found lurking in Victoria Gardens <laughs> by Shona, and she says, uh, he says, look, we're going to have to play the blackmailers. Um, but David says, no way. Um, when he's alone, um, David looks at his. When David is alone, he looks at his phone, and it turns out that he hasn't got very much money in there. I think. I thought I somebody think had sent matters. the money. No, I thought he just looked at his phone, and it looked like he had less than a thousand pounds in there. I don't remember. 
Oh, finally, somebody with a realistic financial situation on Coronation <laughs> Street. How many people can look at their phone and go, yes, more than a grand. I can happily donate that to my child's porn fund. I know. Well, Dev, obviously, was, uh, has got bottomless oodles of cash oh, to yeah. stop Asher's picture appearing on yeah, porn Yeah, that's sites. true. This is really interesting. Isn't this... You're right. You've just brought up a really interesting point here about how people with different financial situations have to face problems in a different way mm. well, that's because cool. Dev just threw as much money as he could at it and, and they don't even have mo- enough money for blackmail no tragic <laughs> and so at the bus stop later Max is telling his mates about the ransom and um, how we're going to get this kind of money all that kind of stuff and then they start snickering and then quoting back lines from his chat with Sonia one of them mentions Hench and that was clearly them put in the scripts last week so that it what would be so that it would be very obvious that as soon as they say that because who says that anymore Oh, no one. It had to be him. Uh, and Max is like, oh. what, you, you catfished me. And I didn't think that that's the sort of thing that Max would have said. Did he, is that like, I know it is called catfishing, but I don't know whether people would say, how oh, I can't believe you catfished me. Well, you think that there's some kind of new kind of cool teenage yeah, so, slang. Yeah. I what don't would know. it be? I don't know. I was just like, you were just... You, bom- you bamboozled me. I would just thought they say, was what, Max, it was you. I know. Time. I think. I think this is more of a, a utility to mm. to, to um, describe the situation to the viewer than yeah. anything else. Um, anyway, and they were like, "Yep, yeah, it was us." And you know what? You still got to cough up your money too. Otherwise, we're going to send that picture to everyone in school. And they tell him to get down on his hands and knees and beg. This was so like Sickening. I was my my stomach was churning watching this. Anybody it was so like, awkward and horrible. Sense of justice, which is the vast majority of people would watch this and find it to be so infuriatingly and I would hope so although quite a lot of people cheered when he was pushed down the stairs earlier this year didn't <laughs> that they that was funny listen, <laughs> <laughs> listen you can look right you can you can hit me as much as you want you can attack me if you like but if you if you attack my dignity that's when you hurt my feelings mm. and that's terrible yeah yeah and then this is what's uh, so that oh, that's, poor Max. this is one of the phrases that annoys me sticks and stones may break my bones but knows what have no, no it's completely the opposite you can hit me with a stick as much as you want but if you say i'm horrible i might cry mm. and i feel like this is you know this was just the worst watching him being humiliated like this and i don't particularly have much of uh, a, a good opinion of max no nor me and the, he's and the not fact a likeable person the fact that i, the fact that I had this reaction to this scene means that they've done a very good job because a character that yeah that i'm not particularly fussed on was i was really so, feeling bad for him but how all right then how about this if this was amy that did this to him how would you feel <laughs> because Amy's the one who's actually been hurt by him. Would you think, oh, yeah, this is justice? I think I'd be a bit annoyed then. I think I'd I'd remove myself from the situation and would go. You? That was an no. I, I'd be I would not be thinking about it as characters. I'd be thinking, why why do the writers make Amy do that? So but, you think you'd still think that Amy was wrong? Well, yeah. Because, so there's no situation in which you would I, like I to see somebody on their hands. I and can't knees see Amy begging. doing this. She's not that cruel. Well, no, it's cruel, isn't it? It just really is. That's that's the only word there that is. That absolute bath. You know, I get really violent. Like, I have such violent thoughts when I see something like this. It just makes me wish that Max would just beat them. <laughs> so you're encouraging violence between between fifteen year olds. I want to start fifteen year old fight club. <laughs> anyway, and they're laughing at him as yeah, well. Yeah, they're laughing at him. It's just it's so. Hideous. But then I like this because he fought back. Yeah, he does. He he. I can't remember what he says, but um. So shut up. 
I said, yeah. Shut up, you scumbags. Do one, scumbags. Anyway, Shona comes out very handily to break it up, but unfortunately for her, she um, ends up getting punched in the face by Max, who's and I was in the middle this. of a tussle. And I was like, I went, oh God, no, she's pregnant. I was like, she's not Shona's pregnant, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Who you think it's all right to get punched in the nose if you're pregnant? Anyway, it's punched in the stomach that's... Um, no, don't, prog- don't punch pregnant Don't go around women. testing it out the, by punching pregnant The women. official stance of Conversation Street is that you shouldn't punch anybody. No. Unless you're a boxer. No, never. Even then, I think you should hurt each other with poems. <laughs> um, but words will never hurt them, Gemma. No, they should use, They should only rap battles from now on. <gasps> yeah. Anyway, lads go off. Shona orders Max home. She's got blood streaming out of her nose. That was very impressive, when, wasn't it? It was. And when David comes home ranting about Audrey being drunk and firing him, that he kind of he suddenly notices Shona's got yeah this blood all <laughs> over everywhere, and here's what's happened with Max. And Max, it, it's a bit of a, a quick end to the story this week, really, wasn't it? Because it was towards the end of Wednesday's episode. For Friday was all about Audrey, um, and the, where we left it is Max is sent to his room for punching Shona in the nose and that was it. who knows what's going to happen next. But um, so, I, but I was like really into this story this week so I was a bit disappointed it didn't come back on Wednesday as much as I enjoyed having Uncle Stephen back because uh, yeah, they, they did a good job and I am, um, you know, as, as somebody who has dealings with young children as part of my day-to-day um, profession, it's always good to you know, keep keep up to date with what oh, the kids okay. are doing these days. I hope that your kids aren't doing this. I would hope that they're not doing this as well. But um, it's, but, but I mean, more and more children I'm noticing these days, like the, the upper end of primary school, do have mobile phones. Oh, of um, course they do. Uh, but I've only noticed that in the past you know, five to ten really? years, maybe, yeah. I think, do you know, I'm going to say something. Maybe, we, maybe children shouldn't have phones with cameras on them. The thing but is, then is, you, you can't would... police it, can you? And and and, well, and certain parents will want to show. Oh, so so look how generous a parent I am. It's not I've just given to do my, with that. I've though. got my kid an iPhone thirteen or whatever. I I maybe I am going to be controversial and stand by what I just said because you know we had cameras when I was a kid, but they weren't connected to the internet. Mm. You're not stopping a child from taking photos if you if you they can't use their phone. Yeah, I can't see the point of it. I really I think it seems like a bad idea. Well, this is why we have to they be can teaching still have them in cameras. school from quite a young age about sensible yeah. internet usage and, and, and device usage it and It terrifies everything. me to think of what the children, like... The problem is there's going to be lots of children who will be in the lessons in either primary school or, or young secondary school that will just say, oh, don't this care, is, this don't, don't care. This, yeah, this isn't to do with me. I, I would be sensible with a camera. I would never do anything like this. And this is what we're battling against, children thinking I would... I would never be in that situation. And then they just walk straight into it like Max does. They don't know that they are so vulnerable. You don't realise when you're a child. No, you think you're the bee's knees, don't you? Wow. Um, Which is exactly what we saw happening with Asha. Although Asha... Asha was slightly different because she didn't realise that she was being videoed, did she? And she was kind of coerced by Corey into taking her clothes off of him. She thought she that she was doing it just for him, and, and yeah, he and she then that, said that, that he... he'd dump her and everything if he wouldn't, if, if she didn't do it. It is quite interesting though that that Corey not, didn't necessarily ever intend to, to disseminate that, but it was actually mm. Kelly that did murderess and child pornographer who <laughs> sent everybody the pictures. Yeah, I tell you what, Kelly video. is no better than Max's scally mates here, is she? Honestly. <gasps> well, yeah, in a way. But is the sympathy is not there for, for Max. This time next year, the scally mates will be... Um, they'll have had their redemption arc, do you think? Do you reckon so? Yeah. Probably if one so, of their mums gets 
bowel cancer or something. That seems to be <laughs> no, the thanks. way of doing it. Do or you... give him a bit of homelessness. Um, so, so the Asher situation was, she, Corey asked her to take her top off while they were video doing video call. He saved the picture. Then there was a party and... Kelly took Asha's phone and sent it to send the video. Oh no, Corey's I, phone. I think I can't remember whether Corey must have been going around showing it to people. I don't know. I don't remember that. But well, otherwise, how would Kelly, Kelly have known? It's definitely Kelly. That I think. the photo was well, there. Well, she sent it to everybody. Yeah, she was the one that put it all on the. And on then, the and then it got it went everybody everywhere on the internet, and then Dev had to pay a lot of money to get mm. it removed from the internet. But Asha still obviously. Yeah. You don't know it, whether that's out there forever. Is is this storyline different enough to that one that it doesn't feel like they're just going different. revisiting the no. same issue? And I think it's imp- I think it's more interesting because it involves um a character too who is in the same group of of kind of contemporaries and also he was the you know the upskirting thing. He was on the periphery of that, wasn't he? He was, and I think this is where what I was so what alluding to that? when I said that he got a taste of his own medicine. He wasn't actively involved in upskirting the girls at the school, but he was looking at the photos, or they were being sent to him, and he was just looking at them and laughing and thinking, this is kind of funny, but I'm not the one doing it, so therefore it's okay. And now he's yeah, realised... he didn't take any responsibility for looking at them. No, and, and I think somebody, you know, Summer or, or Amy or someone, will probably call him out and say, well, now you know what it was like for us. Yeah, and because they didn't even... hopefully it will be a character growth um, opportunity for Max. They didn't even know that they were having their pictures taken, whereas he took the picture himself. Yeah, yeah. He brought, he's totally brought this on himself. He hasn't brought it on himself. Well, he no, hasn't. He, no, it's not, I'm, not gonna, I'm not victim blaming or anything here, but like we said earlier, don't go around taking pictures of yourself like this. Well, again, I don't want to judge, it. I don't judge people. I, I just feel like... It just feels like Think a bad idea, I just, and it, especially if you're under eighteen, just don't do it. Yeah, he was just very, very naive, which. Um, but I guess yeah. Some random bite him in the bum. Oh, I feel so bad for kids these days. I know. I There's couldn't... so many more opportunities to make horrible, life-changing mistakes than we had when we were kids. Like, what could you have done when you were a kid that really would have followed you for the rest of your life? Nothing. Mm. If the things I thought and said were on the internet forever, from when I was a kid. I would be ashamed of myself eternally. And we're looking at a situation here where, you know, in in 50 years' time or whatever, the next president of the United States is going to have all of his stupid or her stupid, uh, self-indulgent, bs kind of little teenage thoughts mm. uh, dug up and yeah. paraded around. Yeah, and he's going to have to explain himself and say... What's what, herself? Or, what's or the themselves. What's the solution? Yeah, what's the solution? There's, like, what stop children, stop people from expressing themselves forever. Mm. I don't know. I think You can't maybe get rid just, of social media because there's an awful lot of good that it does as well. Just write it in a diary. <laughs> Put a lock on it. Like, that's what we used to do. Yeah. But, but here's the secret. All the locks were the same. <laughs> No, I'm very, very glad we didn't have this when I was little. Both, I mean, both of us had experience of being bullied, like like most children were, and just the, the thought that this is an extra hurdle that you have to get over to get make it through your teenage years. It's um. So what do you think they should do? Glad to be old. Yeah, I'm glad I'm old. What should they do? Should go they go to, to the police. police or not, or pay the money? And what what will they do? They can't pay the money because number one, they don't have it. And number two, it won't stop. 
No, I think if, yeah, if knowing what they're like, and can I just say as well, the two actors who played the bullies, I think they did a really good job. They were so annoying. They were really, yeah, irritating. Perfect. Perfect. But intimidating as well. Yeah. They, they came across very, very, they did an awesome job, I thought. They were great, and I think Carnation Street just really, kind of throwaway characters. Really great not... at casting these, these, like you say, throwaway characters mm. who have one function. They're so good at casting the right people for those roles. Yeah, so sometimes they get it wrong. Like you know that oh, we that's we right. Just... but no we remember that there, there, <laughs> there have been characters in Coronation Street that you're supposed to be scared of. Hashim last year, I that wasn't he wasn't that great. I think you'd be more scared of him if he was after you in real life. Maybe, but no, I thought they did a good job. Anyway, should yeah they can't pay the money. Is Max going to try and steal it? Are they going to try and get it from the salon or something? Um, I think because this is a soap, I think that, that it will escalate, won't it? He's going to do what you just said, hmm. maybe, um, instead of the sensible option, which would be two silly children are committing hmm. crimes, trying to stitch somebody else up. Because honestly, I don't know what the police would do in this situation, but I would really, really hope that they would just call everybody in and say, can you stop doing this, please? You're going to get yourselves in trouble. Yeah. And you better not have sent that to anybody, because if you do... I mean, you can ruin your life for... for, for just, just because you don't like Max for whatever reason, you're going to end up with this on your record... And I don't know what would happen to I a can't child see that Max... did this maliciously. Yeah, I don't know. I can't see Max being sent to prison over this. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I'm talking Although, about these two boys. No, I was just thinking, he's Clayton's too old to still be in the same prison that Max would be thrown in, isn't he? Well, he's... Uh, yeah, well, it's more like... That, that more, could have been an interesting more the fact encounter. that Max is too young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. It's not like we have bandages for... No, prison. I'm just saying, the last time <laughs> I thought we saw Clayton, he was in the Young Offenders prison. And if they were just going to put Max in that prison and have him okay. meet up with, uh, with well, they, him, they that might still kind of do that anyway, but, no, because they like Clayton's to fudge things, don't now. they? Maybe, yeah. I've heard of characters being made older, but not so I've much younger. I've heard of that, yeah. <laughs> um, I w- here's another option. Does um, You know, Audrey was saying to Gail, you're just all waiting for me to die so that you can have my money. Yeah. Maybe they'll, this will lead on to a story where she says, tell you what, I hate you all. Here's the cash that you're going to get when I die. I'm cutting you out of my lives. And then suddenly the, the Platts have their little windfall that could possibly be used to pay off these bullies. Interesting theory. There's a theory that could happen. Audrey seems to be in the mood to do something. I think rash Audrey should like keep that. part of her cash. It's her cash. She can do what she wants with it. Yeah, yeah, she should. But if it, whenever characters need <laughs> money on Coronation they Street, usually something happens that they get it. So maybe Audrey gives it. Or I mean, Uncle Stephen is now in the the family unit. What's he going to think about it? And he's absolutely loaded, isn't he? Because he's a rich Melanie's business owner. So could they use some of Uncle Stephen's Quebec cash? To, um, to pay these people off. There are still options for if they want to go down there. I think... Do you think the pictures will end up spreading? Is that an inevitable... I hate... Oh. And if he doesn't, if they don't, would Max still learn a lesson? He'd hope so, but <laughs> it I think on for what... maximum drama, the pictures have got to get out there. What's the What's the purpose of the story? Is it is it to teach us all a lesson, or is it to make drama... I know it's supposed to be a combination of both, but it depends on whether Coronation Street wants to sort of go, look, kids, don't listen. This is what could happen. Mm. Is it a proper um, tale of warning? Yeah, yeah. cautionary tale. Yeah. <laughs> That's Any what I was trying tale to think of. Warning. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for telling me. Um, anyway, 
<laughs> that, that was really good. So two really strong plot yeah, stories great. this week. There, really were, there were some elements of the Audrey stuff, like I said, towards the end where I was thinking, Audrey, you're being a bit, a bit harsh here. But yeah, on the whole, no, I that like, was good stuff. Look, I, I prefer it when a character does something unlikable. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel better about myself and being so unlikable. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to talking about somebody else's todger. Oh, I was going to say somebody else who's unlikable. Tim. <laughs> uh, right, on Monday, Tim's got his appointment with Dr. Gallus. He's a bit nervous and he um, he's he goes in to talk to her and it's they thought, D- don't worry. She reduced his medicine. Just adre- adjust your time, prescription and it, it might work. It doesn't it doesn't seem to have helped. And he th- he thinks he's finished. She says, No, look, okay. Maybe um oh no, you're this is this actually is Sal. Sally yeah. saying, um, look You'll be fine. It doesn't matter. Even if we can't have sex, I've heard that there are things you can do as a couple that don't involve being naked and rubbing your bits together. Um, so I don't mind as long as we're together. Why don't we do jigsaws? <laughs> so she go. They need to order a jigsaw shop on Coronation Street. I think they should have Not a game order. shop. Set one up. Yeah, actually, a board games cafe. They're the new hip, trendy thing, aren't they? Yeah. Not. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a cafe. No, but it could be. No, but it would be another place where people just went and had a coffee, which is boring. Yeah, but I'm, I'm so, so, so fed up of characters going to the cafe. Literally, whenever there's a scene in the cafe, I die a little bit inside. It's like, do here they... you? Yeah, I do. I really, really do. It's like, here they are again. Why are they meeting up here? <laughs> so... so let's have a board game cafe. All right, board game cafe. Just to say, yeah, like doesn't... where the community centre is at the moment, that could be one, couldn't it? Yeah, that? why not? So. They go to see Dr. Gaddis and she says, look, maybe, maybe this is psychological and that is actually good because it means you don't need medicine. So I recommend you go to see a sex therapist and across the nation, thousands of middle-aged people gasped in disgust, including us. (laughs) A sex therapist? Go to see one. What? No, let's invite her here back to our house. Yes. (laughs) We don't need a set for that. (laughs) Um, Sally... Whenever I, whenever I think of sex therapists, I just think of, um, what was it? Meet the Fockers. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because... What is that actress? Oh. She's a really, really famous actress. Look it up. I don't know. Yeah, okay, we'll look this up. It must... Uh, isn't, okay, right. I'm not going to try to guess. Um, Sally finds Tim on Maxine's bench. He's sulking. He's not happy about this. He, he doesn't... Um, he doesn't want to see a sex therapist. He has to tell Sally because she wasn't in the in the appointment with him. Um, Sally's like, oh, great, yeah, why don't we do it? Yeah, let's go for it. And he, But he's not keen. Then in the pub... Barbara Streisand. I knew it was her. I thought I, knew it was I was going to say her as well. I knew it was I know, I was going to say Bette Midler. Oh, well, they're also... Barbara Streisand is different. They're so interchangeable. <laughs> She's so funny. They, it was it's so good. I love that. It's just brilliant, isn't it? Meet the Fockers too. Absolutely brilliant. And, and the... Honestly, Wednesday's episode, which was Comedy Gold with Audrey already, had some amazing scenes with Tim and Sally, didn't they? But we shall get on to that shortly. Are we going to see... We're going to see the Tim and Sally sex therapy scene, aren't we? Oh, we saw it. Did we? Yeah. I thought it was a donkey lady. No, no, the sex therapist comes round as well. Grace. She makes them look into each other's eyes, remember? And then she's got rose petals scattered about. I you must have been looking at the iPad. Um... <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, I'm too English for this. I'm going to shut shut down like someone's robot. <laughs> um, uh, she, Sally finds out, or t- she tells Tim that they've got an appointment and he has to go because it's £75, but that's just the introductory rate. Mm-hmm. And it gets more expensive from there. Now, I thought this was quite funny how reluctant Tim is, and I'm going to generalise here, 
how reluctant Tim was to spend £75 plus on his sex life knowing what I know about how much money other men spend on getting themselves off. <laughs> I would imagine that spending it on your wife and you getting off should be easier to, He's to just stomach. completely cringing at the idea of talking about his bits and bobs. Oh, yeah. The, the ins and outs of his sex life, like <laughs> Sally said. There aren't been any ins and yeah. outs at the moment. Um, as I would be. Yeah. I think, oh, I can't... I mean, I don't know what's more cringy. Like, the idea of Max's... Uh, meeting two vegmen put over on the internet or, or speaking to someone about it. I just, oh, I hate it. On Wednesday, Gary and Maria get accosted by a lady who's from the South Weatherfield Donkey Sanctuary. And this is to sanctuary. do with the Tim story. Um, and she gets five pounds. Now remember the South Weatherfield Donkey Sanctuary because the North Weatherfield Donkey Sanctuary. <laughs> that was brilliant. When she, when she, I can't remember how it was brought up, but she, oh no, it's because... She's having a feud. No, yeah, she has, but... um. Maria and Gary say, oh, we already donate, don't they? And she's like, not the North Weatherfield donkey sanctuary. And that, that was, it was hilarious, but just the idea that there are two donkey sanctuaries in Weatherfield, that was a really well-written and delivered line. It was just... It yeah, was, it was um, great. It was really funny. It was like a window into a petty world of pettiness that we have no idea about. Yeah, it right. was so funny. Tim and Sally discuss, um, they're getting the house ready for the sex therapist to come around, and Tim's like, don't talk about it. And um, they mention chocolate fingers because why would you not throw that so, in? Yeah, Sally says, oh, go and get a chocolate finger for Dev. For uh, Dev. <laughs> this is part of our problem, Sally. Giving mm-hmm. your chocolate fingers to Dev. <laughs> Tim invites the donkey woman in because she thinks, no, he, he thinks she's a sex therapist. And they're both sitting down and um, they're having a cross-purposes conversation. So, so good. Um, because he's talking about that he's trying to sort of hint at it and his obscure language is not really hitting she's not understanding Just what the he's look saying. of bafflement on her face and um he's like talking he starts talking about being he's not gay or like talking oh, and yeah. she's like how do you feel about donkeys and he's like oh we're both blowing each other's minds here um sally comes in and it, it slowly brilliant. dawns i I, I think i felt that that scene could have gone on a little bit longer I really they wanted could have more of that. they could have ridden that out for a little bit more like even if sally <laughs> had thought that it was the the sex uh, therapist and not the donkey sanctuary woman but it was a, funny for what was, the little that we got was hilarious well, but was we great. also got we were also treated to a couple of other scenes of this donkey lady across she the episode didn't she? she was in the rovers later she's my character of the week after this conversation knocking back the shots or whatever it was because she had been mentally scarred by yeah. Tim telling her about his and Sally's sex life and then later on she's in Victoria Street isn't she and Tim's walking from co-op and yeah. she's walking towards the uh, the Tram. train the tram station and she like ducks inside going oh it's him I thought that was brilliant and they did not need to do that she, but, she no. wasn't needed outside that first scene but the fact that they gave her things to do for the rest of the episode Perfect. I think they knew that they were onto something funny there so so funny brilliant well done Coronation Street don't bring her back again because you'll be it, it'll be making it too you know it's like if you if you say the joke too many times the same joke too many times it stops being funny doesn't it I think that if they brought her back they'd try to um, re- okay. recapture what was so great about Wednesday's episode and I don't think that they would do it so you're a one and done woman lady but well done um, so the real therapist comes and gets him to sit remember this Gemma I remember this so vividly she, I, I don't even think she look at the notes, I tell you. Um, she sits them cross-legged on the floor and she tells them to look into each other's eyes and Tim finds this very awkward. And then at the end of the session, she says, remember, you must resist having sex for a few weeks. And Tim's like, well, I don't need to worry about that. That's what I'm doing at the moment. And 
this the person says you must find other ways of being intimate and Tim's like, this is 75 quid. This is rubbish. <laughs> so, I think that Tim and Sally should do a podcast together. A sex therapy podcast yeah. with Tim and Sally. You don't, we don't even look in, need to look into each other's eyes to do this, do we? I what? think most people who do podcasts do look at each other when they do it. It's, I can imagine like you know different people on opposite sides of a microphone, but we're just sitting next to each other because we're British. <laughs> but we're not touching. No way. <laughs> Um, Tim Tim ends up in Victoria Gardens and Aggie is there and she's reading and he's acting very shifty and so she asks him what's going on and he says he and Sally have a problem and Sally's got a mad idea to solve it and she's like look why don't you solve it your own way and so he goes home with flowers and Sally's doing the gardening and she's he says look I'm really sorry maybe we should try some of this stuff and then they try to do the eye looking activity again and they get the giggles and just Bin it off. That was really, really sweet. Because I, I imagine that. the sort of thing I imagine that sort of thing being um, working for some people, but the kind of characters that Sally and Tim are, it was just yeah, nice and sweet that they both did get the giggles about it. I think we would as well if we tried. I know, that. but the thing is though, in therapy they might ask you to do some things that you find a, a, a bit weird and you don't know what the point of them are. Mm. But if you you have to do them because you might find out more than you thought you would. Mm. I'm awful at making eye contact with people at the best of times, so I don't know how I would manage to this. On Friday, Tim and Sally share an intimacy list. And this is, I thought this was so funny and cringe, because I've had, I've done, I've had my encounters with self-help many times over the years, and some of the things that they, like, they are, like, make every day, write a list of five things that you're grateful for, and I just cannot do it, because I am so cynical it just becomes across feeling cheesy. It doesn't feel authentic to me at all to do this kind of thing. But Sally was just completely... It felt like she was a Pinterest board of yeah. of uh, wonderful, inspirational things that she enjoyed. And she's like, I enjoy visiting the stately homes of Cheshire <laughs> and watching old films that bring me joy. And it was so sincere yeah. that it was alien, completely alien to me. I was like, oh. And then Tim was like, Worthy County, Paul Weller, cheese. That's my list. <laughs> um, and they were like, they both are still trying to maintain a, what I would say was a facade of um, going along with this idea. And yeah. uh, Aggie can see them and she's like, oh, how lovely. Um, then she, Aggie later admits to Tim that she might be a bit jealous of the sauciness and the spark between the Tim and Sally because she doesn't feel like she has that with, with Ed. But he can't really listen to this because he's got to rush off to have a date with Sally. Do you think Ed takes his hat off when he goes to bed? Um, I don't know. <laughs> but maybe it would help or not. It depends on what Aggie thinks about hats. Okay. Um, so he ends up with the bistro for his lunch date and he's distracted because... He knows that Aggie was looking for Ed and he sees Ed and Ronnie, Uncle, Ronnie Uncle Ronnie at the bar. And so he's like texting Aggie like, hey, by the way, if you need to know, this is where they are. And Sally's very annoyed because she's presented Tim with a beautiful cravat because Paul Weller wore a cravat once. And so therefore, obviously, Tim, his his life goal is to wear one. And I have to say, she she did a spectacular job because it, it matched very well with his shirt. <laughs> And um, he puts it on. I thought that was sweet. He's like, oh, great. Like, you know Tim doesn't care about cravats and he's never wanted one in his life. But he's like, you know what? If that's how you interpreted my intimacy list, then 
by God, I'll wear it right now. Yeah, it was fun. So he, she's going on about furry muffs. Um, what that, was that all about? I, it was it was classic Sally double entendre, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, he's not really listening because he's still texting. She gets annoyed um, and basically says, we're leaving, we're not going to even bother having food. So she's still in a huff with him later when they get back home. Um, and he's like, look, sorry, I was texting Aggie because I saw I saw Ed, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, that's not what we were supposed to be having a date. So she goes off and mopes in Victoria Gardens because she says, I'm not even going to bother wasting the rest of my day with you. I'm going back to work. But she doesn't. She goes to Victoria Gardens. And she meets up with Steve. How strange. She tells Steve that she feels like her and Tim's passion is over. And he says, look, no way. He's always going on about you. He loves you. He's obsessed with you. And uh, he says something like, he's always defending you. <laughs> and she's oh, like, yeah. wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so that was really funny. Because yeah. you know that you know that everyone's like, God, that's Sally. Tell you what. And if Tim heard that, he, you know that he would immediately yeah. defend her. So they go back and they have another um, date at the pub. And he's enraptured with her and listening to her talking about a load of old crap. Hanging on her every word. And then she returns the favour when they go home. Because he says, oh, do you want to watch one of them boring films that you like? Not that he didn't say anything like that, but he was like, let's watch Pride and Prejudice, the 10th version. And she's like, no, let's watch that time that Weddy County won seven to one and uh, eat some cheese. And they're like, yay, we can be friends, not just lovers. Very sweet. I enjoyed everything I did about like this that. story. Yeah. Considering where the story came from earlier this year, which was the... Uh, do you remember when it was the TIM, TMI story and we would, and, and Elaine was sticking her neb in and everything. Yeah, and Elaine's just, absence did is the, not work is the strength for me. here. It really, really is, which is why I was a little, well, one of the reasons why I was a bit nervous about Elaine coming back into the show on Friday because she, we, I, Elaine can stay right away from the story as far as I'm concerned because the Sally and Tim angle to it has been brilliant. I mean, remember when they had those spa scenes a month or so ago? That was all good. Um, so I'm very happy that this story keeps on going I don't know how much more kind of comedy or or anything really that can be um wrung out of it 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 feels like they've done as much as they can do I feel like I really underestimated where this story was going and what the point of it was when it first started yeah and it it is so funny how repressed we both are and I don't think we're unusual um because it re- it feels I'm getting secondhand embarrassment from just watching it and it's in, but it's interesting. I feel like it's challenging me a little bit and taking me outside of my comfort zone and making me think about things a bit more and like how how much do we need to really get into the nitty gritty of things? And is it is it like is it something that on the whole, as a country, we underestimate? Would we benefit more from being open about it or being a bit more European about or it? Or like, is it fine? Like, are are we okay? I don't know. But, you know, if any characters were going to tackle this sort of story, it had to be Tim and Sally because they're yeah. notoriously the most randy couple on the street. Yeah, I think it's Some very couples, well, very well matched. Some couples, I don't think I've ever even slept with each other. Yeah. I mean, Certainly like, not for the last like few the years. The idea of Aggie and Ed, like, I, I'd never even thought about them like that. And now Aggie's saying that, you know, the spark has gone. Yeah. Um, Can I just say, I think the real problem that Tim and Sally have, have been battling that I don't think they're aware of because they're only characters in a TV show is that because of COVID they couldn't be in the same bed together so oh, maybe yeah, once the COVID restrictions <laughs> have lifted from their bedroom they might find the spark returns yeah could be mm. um, 
Yeah, the, the only other thing that I thought about, actually I saw somebody else online suggesting this, is could this lead to a Tim and Aggie affair? Please God, If no. she is, I, do, I don't need Aggie to ever have an affair because as the, the longest standing married couple on Coronation Street at the moment, because they've been married a very long time before they came onto the show, yeah. Ed and Aggie need to stay together, really. Also... But I saw, and, I, and I think that she's got her head screwed on. She's a very kind of serious... Excuse mis- me, she had an affair with Uncle Ronnie. But that, no, but she just dated Uncle Ronnie before Ed came along. Thank you very much. Oh, I do. I would, I would like to Sorry think... Sorry for maligning you. I would really, really like to think that she wouldn't have her head turned, but Coronation Street does have a tendency to make anybody and everybody drop their drawers well, for somebody they, they shouldn't just for the sake of drama. And maybe Tim and yeah, maybe Tim and Aggie are going to get a bit intimate Randy? together. Please, no, know. because honestly, Coronation Street, just remember that Tim and Sally and Aggie and Ed are actually the two strongest couples on the street. Yeah, they don't need to split them up. Maybe it'll be Tim seeing Aggie in her nurse's uniform and he's going to remember back oh. to um, Sally when they were playing Naughty Nurses no. together. No! Maybe that's all it is, a little trigger. I slap you. I very much hope not, but I'm still also enjoying Agatha's Any time on a a soap when two characters who aren't married or dating look or talk to each other. I know, it gets me a bit nervous. It's like, oh, are they going to be at it? Yeah. So that was good stuff this week, as was the return of the Game of Thorns storyline, which was also slightly Aggie related, although I don't think. Did she have anything to do with no, it this week? Not, I can't remember. Because Peter was still trying to get more evidence against Thorn, wasn't he? And I think up to this point, Aggie has refused to put her head above the parapet and, and condemn remember. her former boss. Because Peter's um, informant is Aggie's colleague, isn't it, at yeah. the moment? And I think Aggie but I has think said Aggie's no, I'm not point gonna... is that she hasn't been around him long enough. Yeah. Although too. she was the one that was the whistleblower about his. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, she was. Anyway, um, there wasn't a whole lot. This was a bit of a warming up of this story, wasn't there? Wednesday's episode was um, mostly about Peter and Carla talking about new flooring because their freezer has leaked or something and they need to get a new one. I was like, this is so relatable. Yes, this is what happened. We've, we've had freezer problems of our own this past week. The ice maker of our freezer stopped working. It was very Can you believe it, everybody? Listen. Our, fri- our ice maker in our American so style fridge. Hot. Oh, and we couldn't get any ice. And you know what I had to do? I had to buy a bag of ice and put it in the ice dispenser. I was like, oh, <laughs> you know what? This is not what my life should be about. There's what one great thing. <laughs> There were many good things about this new house, but the nice thing was that the couple who lived here last left us a giant fridge freezer. It's the most It's like amazing, the most luxurious. I could never have dreamed when I was a child. Piece of white goods I've ever owned. Yeah, I was like this I I feel like if I went back in time and told myself as like a 10-year-old, I'd be like Okay, I know what I'm working for now. Well, I remember like 15 years ago when we, when I first went round Rachel and Lorraine's house and they had an American fridge freezer. I thought it was the height like, of unimaginable, luxury. Unimaginable, unimaginable wealth and decadence. Yeah, and now we've got one. <laughs> we've got but one. everybody, the problem still stands that we don't know how to change the filter. If anyone's got any idea about how to find or change the filter on your American oh, style, no, it's what a brand is it? I don't know. Samsung. Samsung fridge freezer. Please write in and let us know. We because don't know we if can't it's an find the, freeze, or an external the, the filter. filter. We've looked all inside. There's nothing there. It's really. But we a can't dilemma. get around the back of it, and we've got this flashing light, red light on the front that says "Change your filter now." And we're going to have gonna pretty do? ice cubes. I don't know. I mean, I look at Max and I think you think you've got problems. I look <laughs> order and say yeah you're getting old but you do you know where your fridge filter is don't you so shut up yeah you don't have problems <laughs> anyway um i'll tell you what would solve the problem what hundred thousand pounds from dr thorne 
that would solve the problem because we just pay somebody mm. to come and look. Yeah. Oh, we also found out some sad news going completely away from it that um, the guy who used to own this house, he died at Christmas time we found this week, didn't we? Poor yeah. old Paul. So we bought this house last year, obviously, from Paul and Sandra, who are a really, really lovely couple. And Paul had to have a kidney transplant last year. And when we met up with him in, what, July time, some... Sometime. First came to this house in April. Yeah, we came to the house in April, and, and he was on the list to get a kidney transplant. And then we came back in July, and I think he just had one then. And he was like saying, "Oh, everything's brilliant now, and a new lease of life, and everything." Very depressing. I know it's really depressing, but we we just found out that he, he died at Christmas, so that's very sad. Um, Why did you say that? I just say so about everything that. Ha- okay, let's. Get, I'll give you some bad news. I will. I will veer bad back news? on. No, I'll give you some good news. Okay. This is my happy thing that happened this week, and you know this. And I meant to mention this at the beginning of the podcast, but I forgot. But I had the most brilliant, happy, joyful experience on Friday. So I was at the university. I take the children to the um to the university where they have their swimming lessons every Friday afternoon. And after it was all done, and I was in the corridor ready to go back to school, this really tall, lanky chap comes up to me, and he goes, "Are you Mr. Dodson?" I was like, yeah, what have we done wrong? wrong? And he was like, you used to teach me. And I was like, and I looked up at him and I was like, I do not remember this guy whatsoever. And I've never had this happen to me. Your mum always says that this has happened to her, isn't it? She says, oh, one of the things about being a teacher is occasionally you'll get these really stocky guys coming up to you going, oh, Miss Cox, you remember when you taught me? And it's never happened to me before. I've sometimes had like year sevens coming back to school, like in the first year of secondary school saying, hello, I just want to say hello. But I've never had somebody of this chap's age meet up with me and I, and he's like and, he, and I said well, what's your name and he told me and this was so brilliant because he was in my very very first class as a teacher so back in 2007 when I had my first my, my first class and I think that's your first class is always a bit special when you're a teacher because you do it's where you cut your teeth in the profession and he was I remember him being the nicest kid he was like one of my one of my favourite children in the class and I've got good memories of lots of children in that class um, and it was him and I was like and I looked at his face I was like oh my gosh it is you and he had the, he was he was like this beanpole this guy is massive absolutely huge <laughs> and he had stubble all over his face but I could and I looked down and I can remember what he was like when he was 10 and I was saying <laughs> how old are you now and he's like I'm 25 now I'm doing a PhD here at the wow. university obviously would never have happened without the excellent start in life that I gave uh, him yeah, in year exactly. 5 but yeah he's doing a PhD in water science or something and that's why he was there at the swimming pool and I it absolutely made my day saying this boy because um his mum works at the university as well the chemistry department um and and occasionally over the years when i've walked through the university because we have to because um we have to go there sometimes i've seen the chemistry department i think oh i wonder how this this kid's doing now um and just to be able to see him out of the blue on friday was absolutely made me so 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 happy it was yeah a, a reunion that I never thought that I would have with this with this kid who is now 25 <laughs> doing a PhD I was absolutely made up I was I was walking on air on Friday because of that I, I was so sweet so 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 happy that was my lovely experience are you proud yeah well I mean I don't think I think he probably could have managed a PhD without me but you never know you yeah, but you instilled in him a love of learning, obviously. Yeah. We didn't he, put him off. He, I didn't put... <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. I didn't, um, yeah, put him off learning completely. He hasn't gone He hasn't gone off on one or down, down a, a dodgy path. But he said he'd seen me a couple of times that I'd been there, but this was the first week that he spoke to me. And I kind of hope that he comes and says hello to me next week. Because since seeing him, I'm like, oh, I've got a load of questions that I could ask him now. But anyway, sorry, that was a complete... Sorry for everybody that doesn't like going off on tangents, but... 
just want you to know I was very, very happy on Friday. Anyway, um, yeah, so the story with Peter on Wednesday, going back to yeah, that, is you remember Sarah Coronation is, Street. Remember Coronation Street, that thing that we're doing a podcast yeah, about? Yeah. You think I was happy? Well, just wait until you see Sarah when she finds out that Carla and Peter are getting a new flooring. And she's like, this is right up, this is right in my ballpark here. I could tell you all about flooring. Come over to my house, look at our flooring. And Carla doesn't look impressed by this. And then she's kind of bemoaning the prospect of complimenting Sarah's decor or Harry's pasta artwork as she's walking towards Victoria <laughs> Court later, which was just brilliant. Um, and, I, and I've not been, you know, Carla's biggest fan in recent years, but I could very much identify with this. Not that any of our friends have got kids, have they either? I've never been but forced I could, to look I can only art. imagine having to compliment somebody's pasta artwork. Anyway, um, yeah, Sarah... No, nothing kind of happens. They they don't go off and do this in the end, do they? I can't remember why, but um, anyway, the revelation at no, the end... No, it's what? because Adam's like, oh, hang on a minute. No, I, I need I need to talk to you. About you? Dr. Thorne, Mr. Thorne. Yeah, Mr. Which, Thorne, sorry. That's right, that's right. So Carla has to go and see Sarah's um, pastor artwork herself. Anyway, it sounds like Thorne has got away with it about doing his old um, social media photographing of Peter's... Um, uh, liver. liver wasn't it which is another he didn't it wasn't was it social media yeah he put it on his yeah that's that's how it was found he no put hang on it, he put it on his private social media I thought I'm pretty sure that's true no he made a bet yeah he made a bet but that he somebody could somebody else do it no oh, no no I, I thought the story was that he check. made a bet that he would be able to whip yeah yeah he um, made that bet Peter's kidney no, liver in and out within the shortest amount of time which he did but then also he showed a picture of himself saying anyone for foie gras <laughs> inappropriate which he put on <laughs> which he put on social media which is um, maybe Max would be able to um, identify with uh, with Peter wow, in this situation yeah. he's also got prospects of having some private parts exactly this is all all of these stories I think they're all building it's up about to something bodily Autonomy. They're all they're all tying together nicely. If only we all had autonomy. Yes. Anyway, um, Peter is absolutely fuming to hear that Thorne's got away with this. Um, he calls the nurse and um, he says, "Is there anybody else at the hospital who could help me here?" And it doesn't seem like he's having much luck. Um, on Friday's episode, Peter is in the cafe with Carla and Ken having another moan about Thorne. Apparently the ruling is next week, so look out in um, upcoming episodes that this story is going to come to a head of sorts, which it sounds a bit of a shame because although I was happy to see Thorne again on Friday, I was I'm so um, enjoying this actor's portrayal of this dastardly surgeon that I was kind of hoping it would go on for a little bit longer. Yeah. But anyway, um, he says, I want Simon to shame him on social media or something and Ken says I don't think Simon's got the clout do you not reckon I don't think so not very many followers does Simon Barlow what what do you reckon is what do you reckon his username is like oh didn't we we found out what his um, Xbox username was do you remember last year when Sharon was uh, hacking into Ardy's Xbox I can't remember what he called himself now I I reckon I I bet he's called like Weathy Bad Boy yeah probably Um, anyway (laughs) so um Peter goes off to the Platt intervention for the Audrey storyline. Then he comes home um, and just to have another moan about Dawn again to Ken and um, Simon. I'm sick of it. For some reason, Ken is looking through his old clippings catalogue, his clippings box from when he was working at the newspaper. Well, as somebody who's like worked in print for, what is it? Many years. Yeah. Like 18, 20 years. Um, 
if you're it, he he was an editor of a mag, of a, quite a of long a, time of newspaper. a newspaper and he was also a journalist and his clip his collection of clips was so meagre it's like I couldn't even collect my clips. <laughs> anyway, um, this is and he's like I'm... one of the clips he saved. This is this was this is what made me laugh was oh, that. Yeah. Was that he's obviously this must be a curated collection of clips because there's no way he's got his whole clippings. career in there. Yes, yeah, sorry, clippings. There's no way he's got his whole career in there because he's worked for so long that he, you know, it'd be stacks high. But he's saved one one bit, which was him slagging off Peter. Yeah. And Peter was like, "Oh yeah, I remember that. You know what? That wasn't my finest hour, was it? I got <laughs> totally drunk." I was and ha- why is Ken holding on to this a bitter old man? I wonder whether he's got any clippings of what that time that he um, was the agony aunt for the newspaper as well, just for the lols. Oh, oh I, I hope he's got a copy of his first novel too. Oh, in yeah. Somewhere. Anyway, um, this, what comes out, I think the whole point of this is so that Peter could see Ken's dictaphone, which I it completely went over my head in the next scene, which was Peter summoning Thorne to Seb's garden as you do, where better place to have a meeting with your with your rival than than a garden down Victoria? Well, Victoria yeah, a very Street. public place where but you where you. If if you I, were, yeah, I really want somebody to tell all their secrets. Let's do it in a public place. They definitely yeah. feel off. Uh, they definitely let their guard down in this public mm. garden. But anyway, Thorn sees right through him and says, "Look, I know you're pulling the whole record the confession on your phone trick." And Peter well, kind of sheepishly gets it out and like, "Yeah, sorry." First of all, he says the General Medical Council are not going to strike me off they haven't got enough evidence oh so yeah, yeah that's, point. Right, you, that's right you, you you don't have any power you can't strike a deal with me i don't know what so, you think ha, you're playing I win. Yeah. yeah peter pulls the phone out of his pocket and goes you got me there and then this is when thorn starts like, crowing <laughs> about how machiavellian and dastardly <laughs> he is and how you smart you know much for me you pleb yes. you don't even have an ice maker on your fridge <laughs> 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 bet they do i bet carla's the sort that would want to have an ice maker for all their all their yeah, but they're broke now stuff. aren't they Oh, yeah, they are, aren't they? They're yeah. living in poverty, yeah. which means making your own they, ice cubes. Do they live in the, the flat above um, streetcars? Well, moment, it's wherever it is, the floor leaked. I think it's, okay. the, um, I think it's the one that Steve and, and Tracy and Liz used to live in together. But and never mind that. Anyway, Peter reveals he has got a backup recording device, Ken's dictaphone, so he's got this confession on tiny there tape. Was a weird, there was a weird conversation about devices and... and machines yeah, or something. What, yeah, what are you talking know. about? I don't know. So um, Thorne is absolutely desperate at this yeah. point. So that's Oops. throwing bundles of cash at him, or the, the offers of bundles well, yeah, of cash at him. It's yeah. like £5,000. No, £10,000. And Peter's like, no, no good. I'm taking it to the authorities. No, Peter says, even if you gave me £100,000, it wouldn't work. And Thorne's like, well, I can give you £100,000. And I was like, <gasps> okay, I'll be quiet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. How about two hundred thousand pounds? Like, did Peter really suffer that much from what Thorne did? He had a nice, quick kid um, liver operation. Yeah, his kidney was shown on on social media, but you know he might never. You know don't know because it. it's not happened it to you. I, it hasn't happened to me, but I'm I'm thinking that possibly if I was in Peter's situation, and I know he's being very honourable and saying, well, if I take it's him down now, he's not going to do this to anyone else there, but. Oh, I, I, I'm, I might be willing to say, go on, Ben. Yeah, but you've not if we've been hundred thousand pounds. You've not been in a situation where you've been completely vulnerable with medical professionals, who have literally their life in your hand, and you know, you know that they might make comments, and you know that they might say things, but you, you can't prove it, and you just have to believe, you know, 
that if they do that, it's a safety valve for themselves. I don't begrudge that sort of thing. But just to have evidence and to know that somebody did that to you and abused you at your most vulnerable and took advantage of you for a joke. I know, it's horrible. But still, he's going over to America now, isn't he? I think if he? somebody he's gave like, me £100,000, I'd say, oh, I'd get the I'd joke I'd be very now. tempted. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny, I isn't it? I get it. They make foie gras and livers. Yeah, you have foie gras for breakfast, lunch and dinner every day. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, the, the, the hearing's going to be next week, isn't it? This is another one where I was kind of thinking there should have been a little, like a final scene. And unless there wasn't, I missed it where Peter was kind of mulling it over and maybe... What what would Carla want him to do? Well, Carla heard him shouting £100,000, so it's going to be interesting because I think uh, Coronation Street might be a bit reluctant to make Carla seem like a money grabber. Although she she is used to living the life of luxury, isn't she? She's she's, she's had not... her swish apartments and everything, and if she's now kind of slumming it and even the freezer's uh, leaking, then she might be tempted well, to say, go on there. It, but Peter is so bloody honourable, isn't he? It's... It feels like, um, what's the word? A physical, tangible benefit that can be enjoyed. Yeah. Versus satisfaction. Because... Yeah, just imagine if he took Thorn down and it, would he just be sitting there? I know Peter can be insufferably smug. But he's <laughs> sitting there on his sofa with his glass of orange juice just thinking, I'm so glad I didn't take that £100,000. I think the, the the sneaking feeling of actually maybe I should have taken it would be coming there, come around quite soon. It depends on how much that money would hurt him. You want to hurt him, don't you? You want to sort of say, you hurt me and you don't recognise that. So you must be hurt in a similar fashion. Because that's kind of what justice is really, isn't it? It's, it's you didn't recognise the hurt that you've dished out mm. so we're going to hurt you in a way that's going to affect you yeah that's kind of what just i mean i know that we say oh you know uh, as long as the person doesn't do it again etc but that's kind of what what uh what he, what peter wants what, what is there a, actually a number that would make thorn think twice mm, i don't know the other thing as well i suppose it's not just a sense of smug satisfaction that peter might get if he's able to take thorn down in court next week I guess that he would have some kind of compensation paid to him. So maybe he thinks he can get more than £100,000 out of him. I don't think that is his motivation. No, it's not. But I suppose he he would get some cash from it. He wouldn't it. get anywhere near that much No, money, it wouldn't I'm be sure. that much. It wouldn't be that much, for sure. Um, You'd I've, have to prove that you were damaged for that amount of money, and he hasn't been. No, he's like he's barely been in the show, let alone because, psychologically. Like, if you could say, yeah, if you'd say, look, I haven't been allowed to work, I normally earn X amount of money, I haven't been allowed to work because I've been really depressed and it's affected me mentally and it's affected me in this, that and the other way and this is how much money I think that that is worth, mm. then you could say, well, give me £100,000 or whatever. Yeah. Because yeah. this is a bribe, isn't it? This is Basically. this is not compensation. This is no, a bribe. This is a bribe for him to keep Stum. But, but the risk is that he doesn't know whether he's going to get enough evidence. So I wonder whether, because Aggie has been in the show in the Sally and Tim storyline this week, whether she's also going to be sucked back into this one. And is, she, is Peter going to be kind of trying to persuade her to say her thing against Thorne as well? The, the not other that her thing, work counts for much because she's not been there for long, but I don't know. I wonder how... The thing is, I think that what Peter really wants out of this is to outsmart Thorne. Mm, because he's such a smug git, isn't it's he? It's not Thorn? just he's even brilliant. that. I think it's because Thorne thinks I'm... I'm rich, therefore I'm better, therefore yeah. I'm cleverer and smarter, 
than you. You can't outsmart me at any point. And it's really just that that, that Peter wants to sort of say, no, you're not as smart as you think you are, actually. Mm. And he's in a way, he's done that already. Yeah, he's got him. He's got him sweating. Yeah, and I think that would be a satisfaction for it, me. Yeah, but, but if, if Thorne wins this next week, or if the case is dropped or whatever... To. You know, he's not going to, but if he did, then he would... I'm sure he'd be able to quickly get over these feelings of... Um, Who, Thorne? Thorne. Oh, he's slimy. Of, he's got yeah. no self-introspection, has he? No. So I, I wonder whether Peter might trick him into like, all right, okay, you give me £100,000, and then Thorne be like, well, you must, you must never speak of this again. Like, well, yeah, I mean, you can have a gentleman's to... agreement and then completely Welsh on it, couldn't they? No. Go back on it. Yeah. Um, so I don't... We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm quite looking forward to seeing this. I, I, I just want it to end with Thorne... Um, I just want it to end with Thorne becoming a regular character somehow. I don't know how that's going to happen. No, it wouldn't be interesting. This is what you said about... you. This The tr- same is true... Of this character is what you said about the donkey sanctuary lady. They 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 perform yeah. a very definite function in the in the story, and beyond that, they you know too much of them would not be a good thing. But then you might have said that about Pat Phelan after his first three episodes, mightn't you? But and I we didn't, all did know I? what happened then. But I didn't. You did, did I? not. You did not. Right. Speaking of villains, Gemma. <sighs> Wendy Crozier, <gasps> Papadopoulos. I was wrong last week. I said that Papadopoulos was the funny name that they used on Birds of a Feather, and it's actually Theodopolopoulos, isn't it? That's uh, Sharon's surname. Nobody corrected me on it, but just want you to know, I do know. <laughs> <laughs> on Monday, things seem to be going well for Wendy, Abby and Alfie, and the audacity of Wendy to have a white sofa while she's hosting a mother and baby unit. <laughs> what? Who does she think she is? She's bold, that one. She's so bold. Wendy is teaching her that she has to let the baby cry itself to sleep. I thought that was really interesting because um, Abby's like, does Abby really not, never, she's had three babies now. Hmm. She never thought of that when she was a drug addict, that the babies she, might just cry themselves well, to she sleep. Did, she didn't look after the babies, did she? She well, probably did point. leave them cry themselves to sleep. Yeah. But she, she as with, think, with Alfie, is wanting to show I'm doing absolutely well, everything I can to, to, to meet his every need. And Wendy's saying, no, you don't need to do everything, though. That, that's the point of the scene, isn't it? Yeah. It's to show that she's ready and willing to go above and beyond, yeah. but perhaps she might be a bit overzealous. Um, Wendy and Abby ag- agree to go out together so they can chat over some bits and bobs. And Abby says, look, can we go, can we go see Kevin? Um, and she's like, oh, is that on Coronation Street? Kevin, Kevin off Curry. Uh, maybe, that's fine. And she's like, do you know anyone on Emmerdale? Because I watch that word. I don't watch Curry anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy is um, hurrying down the street, looking over her shoulder like she's stolen something from Devs. And Abby sees Kevin, runs, runs over to him, and they get chatting. And Abby's, Abby's like, you know what? Wendy's acting a bit weird. And Kevin's like, you know, I think I recognise her, actually. That's what I said last week. Like, they were on the show together back in the late 80s, but I didn't know whether Kevin had anything to do I with would, Wendy. I don't think I'd recognise her. I don't her. think I would either. She does look quite different. No, I just think I'm face blind. <laughs> She's aged nicely, but she doesn't look exactly the same now as she did in 1990, <laughs> as do none Who of does? us. <laughs> Abby's like, oh, I, I reckon she's trying to avoid 
somebody here. And then and then Abby, um, Wendy comes over and says, we've got to go to the clinic. We've got to have Alfie's checkup. So they walk past the florists and out pops Tracy, like one of those sand eels coming out of a hole. <laughs> and she says, um, oh, here we are. Who, who's this? Um, it's bloody Wendy Flaming Crozier. I don't know what she says. And Wendy's like, oh no. She runs away and um, Tracy's like, yeah, that's right. Never come back here again, you horrible old cow. Yeah, Abby's just left completely confused like, at this about why is Tracy accosting innocent old women in the street. So back at the house, Abby's like, Wendy, what was going on? And she says, look, okay, I don't want to mention this, but me and Ken have got a bit of history and I don't want to kiss and tell. And Abby's trying to dig for dirt, but Wendy's like, you just go on Coropedia, I'm not telling you. There's been books written about it. <laughs> there was even a documentary on the telly the other month about kidneys. If you were interested, you, you would have watched it then, okay? <laughs> and that was it, which is really disappointing because they brought back Wendy. It was Friday last week, wasn't it? So we've only got two episodes so far of Wendy Flame and Crozier. And it's like, you don't bring a character back to then ignore them for the best part of the following week. What's going on? I don't know. I'm still not completely sure what purpose her being back on the street is going to have like what what avenue they're going down but you know at least give us a bit more than this it's like with Stephen he's back now I want to see Stephen for a lot of next week otherwise it feels like it's a waste of time bringing them back and maybe they're just giving um Georgia Taylor and, and Sally Carmen a bit of a rest because they've been so full on for the past few months and I don't think we saw Toya at all in this week's Coronation Street did we? Aww. She's too busy hermiting herself um, But she was going to be my flat. character of the week Toya cannot be your character of the week next week but um, this I week? do This week yeah but I do believe that she is going to be in it next week Gemma I, I hope that's not too much of a spoiler everybody but Toya is in it next <laughs> Toya's week. in the show. Toya is in the show next I, week, yes. I'm excited because I feel like this is a tribute to your birthday. What? That is building up with lots of Toya. Yeah, it's just nice. She liked Toya. Nice. Thanks. And Carnation Street's like, we have to plan something big for Michael's birthday. <laughs> um, the thing is with this, though, is, like, is this suddenly turned into a story about Wendy now? Whereas before, it's like, you know, about Abby and Alfie and everything. Is it now the story of Wendy... Flaming. Going back with Ken, I don't know really. But this is the question: what What is she going to do with Ken? I don't know. Oh, I just you've broke, broken the I've bloody broken sofa. The button on button on our new sofa. Oh, I knew that would happen. Um, yeah, I don't know. She's obviously just trying to avoid him. It's nice that Tracy was there getting a roar, and I I don't know whether. I can't remember whether Tracy met Wendy when she was in it 10 years ago and does she remember her, her from then? Because I wouldn't have thought that she would have recognised her from when she was, what, 13 or so. Maybe that face is just emblazoned in her mind. Maybe. Although Tra Tracy has probably got a list, hasn't she, of people that oh, she wants yeah. to off. That's what I've got. And yeah, Wendy Crosby would certainly be on that. So mm. Anyway... This was... I find it very healthy to plot revenge for years and years and years. <laughs> um, nothing much to say about this one because they didn't give it far anywhere near enough um, time as they needed. Um, On to the Maria storyline. What a load of rubbish. So, victory <laughs> for Maria. We start off with Wednesday. They're getting separate bins for glass in they Weatherfield. They really should have had this already. I, it does make me well, wonder like, how many places do and don't have that because we've got our own glass bins, haven't we? But, they, but, but some I people... I can't remember where the dad does. I think they put them all in the same bin. Yeah, I think there are lots of places. That it's do not that they don't recycle the glass; it's that they they separate it later. Yeah, so supposedly. They, yeah, you so would hope that they do that. We've got a little grey one, haven't we? That goes out every fortnightly with with your cider bottles. 
And um, Mary is uh, all full of, the, full of it because she's able to have brought this uh, to, to Weatherfield. Gary's telling everybody in the pub later and Kirk's not impressed by this because he's... he. I, I'm glad that they did have some people saying this, like, what's the point? This has just given me another thing, about, thing to think about when I'm recycling. Although, obviously, obviously recycling is important. It would be wrong for them to have everybody just accepting it of, like, well, isn't this brilliant, everybody loves recycling? Because they don't. The same thing about recycling, and that is that you have to make it as user-friendly and simple as you can. Because you'll always find people that cannot do it. You're fighting against lazy people. You you have to make it easy, and that's why, I think, um, that yeah, and this is why it annoyed me when people talked about straws, because it's like, the recycling company just said we can't recycle straws, and I thought, all right, so how long have you been doing this then? Mm. You've been doing how how many years have you just been taking our straws and going, <laughs> throw them in the river because I can't. Did it never strike you that you could? recycle the straws or make a machine that recycled straws yeah and everyone just went okay well we'll use paper straws then mm. well get soggy straws on your frappuccinos well it just it just kind of annoyed me because it completely shifted like they completely managed to shift the blame onto consumers without taking any responsibility for it and mm. everybody just let it slide mm. i know it's an easy thing to do to change the paper straws and everyone's fine with it now but it just made me feel like no 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 the responsibility is on you as a recycler to develop technology to recycle straws. Well, if you believe the recyclers on Coronation Street, they're not into this at all because they've gone on strike by the end of Wednesday's episode because they think that having this extra bin to take out is um, for, for no extra pay, it seems. And I kind of see where they're coming from Definitely. a little bit. Um, there's like, no, thank you very much. And also the bin men go on strike in solidarity as well. So Maria started off the day with victory and by the end of it, she she's now got piles of rubbish um, littering Weatherfield because everyone's gone on strike. Um, the thing is, though, here, because I asked the council this and I got a direct answer, it's the same people. Recycle the recycling pe- people and the bin people. The it's the same. Collectors. It's the same people. Mm. Because I said, if I leave a present out, do I need to leave one for the recycling people? I and give them a Christmas present. Didn't I always you? give them a Christmas present, and that's why when we moved house, they were like, "Don't worry, we'll take all your extra." Uh-huh. See, you're you're nice to people; they're nice to you back. Why should they be nice to you if they even know who you are? Mm. See, Curry missed the trick here, I think, because on Friday's episode, Maria, after getting her lesson on who Rosa Parks is from Roy, <laughs> which come on now, she she should have just they should have just who? had her say or watched a doctor hear about it. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Jimmy the lead bin man comes in or whoever he was, but that's uh, that should have. Jimmy, the lead refuse collector. Yes, I know. Thank you. It should have been Curly. This could have been the opportunity to get Curly back oh, into the oh. show. Oh, oh no, it's Alexa. Alexa. Yeah, well, yeah. Kevin Kennedy has been desperately trying to get back to Corey for many years now, and he could have returned to his roots as a bin man and rose up the ranks to be chief of them. Yeah, chief of them. But instead, they got this guy like called Jimmy. Tribe. Anyway, so Maria's trying to do her hashtag speak and save the planet with Jimmy speech, but he's not interested. He said, "People have had enough of your empty words." And then in the street later, Maria is accosted by the press about her so-called green agenda. She does her um, sound bites um, before clopping off to go and see. She's Gary. very pleased with herself. She was. She was like, she said, "All you need to know is what you want to say and, and twist their question, question to make it fit it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So she's very I was pleased like, with herself. But I thought, she do, she knows what she's talking to. That's what you do if you're a politician. She's, yeah, she's been doing this for months now. Months. However, um, she, um, Later. by the end of the week, sorry, by the end of the episode, she finds herself, she's been cassette void, hasn't she? Can't believe it. 
and uh, who is I haven't seen a cassette boy thing for ages but he's absolutely hilarious where he can take yeah. news clips or whatever and string them together to usually in song to make song, different yeah. sentences so um, yeah Maria has had her quotes <laughs> chopped up so that she's now saying put me on your waist disposal and I am talking rubbish Brilliant. and this is absolutely hilarious and even like Ke- she's watching it with Kelly and Gary isn't she and Kelly can barely contain Kelly thinks her it's hilarious. Amusement. And Gary's like, that's Gary quite, just says that's it's good, clever. It? <laughs> and poor Maria's left there with egg on her face. Yeah. And it, it's bad in a way, isn't it? Because it is literally making fun of somebody who is really, really doing a good job. But but, but we are also laughing at Maria because it's Maria. I think there's and an she's important been, she's a dullard. thing to say here about how the responsibility, like I was just saying about straws, the responsibility of looking after the planet, does it get shifted to people who you know like is is it is there something here to say about maria sort of being a middle class person shifting the responsibility to the working class people who are the people the refuse collectors who are now expected to take do extra mm. work does maria need to get them do collect the glass herself well does she need to actually think a bit more about how she can facilitate this in a better way that that doesn't mean that people lose out but the other thing i'm always thinking about this is that we can't we can't carry on like it is someone's going to lose out we're all going to lose out we can't can't carry on i know and and she was kind of right she said this to jimmy but jimmy was was echoing of, of an often repeated sentiment which i sympathize with completely is that we're fed up with hearing about this it it's depressing and i can't do anything about it and but i'm but the one thing you're asking me to do i don't want to do <laughs> you know like it it's <sighs> I, th- I suppose they're doing a good job on coronation street of showing that it feels like an unwinnable battle yeah and a massively uphill struggle well, for anyone you know, who wants to care for the Jimmy's environment like, well i don't care I don't even believe it. I think he was saying that too. Like, we've heard this for years now, so what? Mm. Um, and I... But I, I don't know how... I like the fact that they're showing lots of different... Opinions. I do as well. I just don't know where the story's going. And I don't know how Maria can win. Because if she doesn't win, then... The planet loses. The, yeah. So she's got she's got to come out smelling her roses in the end. But what will that look like? Yeah, will that's she just, true. That's a good Will question. she just have her glass bins and then that's her triumph? And that's the pinnacle of her time as counsellor. Yeah, and that's I don't not really, really know. I mean, that's only what other people already do. So I don't think that is, shows progress, is it? No, not really. It's really, the... and, and you know that she will get bored of it because characters get interested in something for the sake of a storyline and then they forget about it. I don't imagine in 10 years' time, Maria will give two hoots about the environment. I think we all will. Well, well maybe we will. Maybe we'll be forced to, but... Yeah, it's, when, it's it's like, yeah, you know, it's like with Craig and his OCD, isn't it? Maria is obsessive about the environment at the moment. But just like how it, we can't have Craig talking about it all the time, they can't have Maria going on about yeah, it. Yeah, but I think, I, I think this is, a, they're playing a long game here. This is my, this is what I'm going to say. I, we know that Coronation Street cares about the environment because they have their green duck. They do have their green duck at the end of the episode, so, yes. And, and I think that it is a sensible thing to be worried about. And I think that the more people worry about it, the better we're we're off. I think lots of people thinking it's a sensible thing to worry about, but so I hope somebody else worries about it. Yeah, for me. I That's think you're the right. Problem. But but you see, I'm I'm going to call Maria the Joan of Arc of recycling, mm. where she fought and she fought against people that didn't take her seriously, and she eventually triumphed, and now all of France recycles. Is uh, that what happened? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? She's campaigning. She's she's. She's standing up. She's. 
I just wish that she not was being, more likable than not being character. Ta- yeah, but she's going to triumph, isn't she? Like, she's going to triumph. You know, not being taken seriously, being mocked, being denigrated, and then eventually she will get people to understand. I really hope so. I hope so too, but though if she triumphs, will I not like it? Because it's Maria triumphing. I'll be like... But we all win smug. if Maria wins. Okay, okay. I will take what I'm interested in. I want to know, and, and maybe some other listeners can help me out on this one, do the other soaps, are they carrying on their environmental storylines? Because this all was the crossover last year, wasn't it? Last uh, last autumn term time, was it? When they did the soap crossover and yeah. every soap had a story about environment. So you had, I can't remember any of them now. What was the one in EastEnders? They were setting up a... Burgers. A, yeah, a, what was, how was that that to do with the environment? Veggie Don't, burgers Yeah, or because eating meat is bad for the environment. Yeah, and, and I can't remember what the other soaps did. Do... Do the others have as much of a long game with this as Coronation Street, or have they all given up at this point? Because Coronation Street does like getting the greenest soap certificate, whatever it is that they, <laughs> that they receive, don't they? But it does. It does feel like it's a. It's kind of like the pursuit of the idle rich to concern themselves with fannying around with bits of glass, recycling them, and it's not something that working class people worry about or can have time to, and it's a, uh, an added burden. And I feel that there are justified reasons for thinking that, but the unfortunate truth is that climate change will affect working class people and poor people across the planet far worse than mm. it will the people that, you know, are so the so-called yeah, middle the ones class that can make the fannying around. Yeah. So I think that a Coronation Street, if that's where they're heading with this kind of theme, it would... I don't know, is Maria going to sort of find a champion in within the, the ranks of the uh, refuse collectors? I don't know. It feels like we need that kind of broad spectrum of people from different backgrounds or standing together and saying, actually, this is very important. Yeah. But also, Maria needs to have thought more about how she's burdening people and how she can make it easy. And like I yeah, said, just... you have to make it easy for people or they won't do it. Mm, mm. You can't just say this is important, so you have to do it, because I've said so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's move on. Brand new Brian Gemma. Quickly, what was Brian up to on Monday? I've actually forgotten. So, apart from the salmon trousers. Rita's telling Evelyn about how Brian's done a disappearing act. After, oh, yeah. After um, Kathy. Kathy's oh. gone. And, and um, she's getting on. Then she's talking. Then Evelyn we goes... got the place wrong that she moved to last week, didn't we? Somebody oh, told us. We, sorry. What did we say? Chore... I don't remember. Chorley, maybe? I don't know. Chalton. Chalton, Chorley, one of the two. We said the wrong one. Cardiff. It's like saying Portsmouth when you mean Portsmouth, you idiots. <laughs> so, um, Rita's in the cabin, tells Evelyn, Brian's done a disappearing act. So then Evelyn uh, talks about that with Roy, and she thinks he that he's going to do things silly, like have it out with Jim Fitz. So eventually, Brian does come into the cafe and he has got a brand new wardrobe which is going to suit his warmer life down in sunny the sunny south. He's got a satin cherub patterned shirt, he's got his pink trousers and he's got his navy blazer. And, can confirm, as southerners, this is the wardrobe. This is what we all wear. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm wearing it right now. <laughs> um, he's, he's excited, he can't wait to move and Roy's like, are you okay? Because, you know, Kathy's left. And he's like, I don't mind, I'm totally fine. Unconvincing. Yeah. He sits with and chats with Roy and Evelyn and um, she's like, you know what, your clothes aren't going to make any, dif- any difference. And Roy says, so what you're saying is Brian and I are so irredeemably boring that any attempt to enhance our appearance would be futile. And Evelyn says, yeah. 
<laughs> Basically, yeah. Funny, funny stuff. I think um, Evelyn's downplaying the power of fashion. Do you reckon? Yeah. Yeah. I think the clothes make it the man. <laughs> um, I'm, then, I'm almost certain Brian said that at one point. Probably. But I don't think we have much to say about it, do we? I know nothing at all. I like it's unnecessary. I will say, though, that um, having like red or pink trousers is definitely a hilarious trope. <laughs> um, finally, we've got our Tully and the Bully story. Um, Eileen's got a dodgy cupboard door on Friday, but Sean can't look at it because he's going out with Frank later. And he also wonders why George hasn't been seen much lately. Um, and she's very evasive about this. But when Sean and Frank go out, George skulks downstairs and Eileen's saying, this is getting very annoying. Um, you're skulking around all the time. You can't just avoid Frank forever. Um, and so he ends up working with Todd by the end of the episode, doesn't he? Todd is the one that fixes the cupboard door, but he also says to George, we need to catch Frank doing some bullying if you want to prove that he is a bully. And that was it. So um, I guess we will have to wait and see what this plan is going to look like. I'd still like to think that Frankie isn't a bully anymore. Would you? I don't think that's going to be the case. Like he's changed. I'd like to think he's changed. I think it would be a more powerful message to say that people can change. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like Sean having a boyfriend. And I think that the guy that they've got playing Frank is a decent actor. And he could be quite a um, an asset to the show. So to have him reveal that he's actually still bullying somebody would be a bit of a shame, really. So, yeah, I, I hope that he, he we find out that he has seen the error of his ways. But I don't know whether... I don't know what could convince George that he has changed. Does he need, like, a certificate from the Pope or something? I don't know. Does the Pope do that now? Yeah, or is St. Francis for CC thing? Award. Oh, OK, yeah, cool. Yeah, it's fine. Um, OK, so we will find out that next week, I'm sure, what's going on with that. And that is it for this week's Coronation Street, which I thought was a, a fairly decent week. I've seen an awful lot of praise for this week on um, on Twitter and Facebook and things. It really felt, I was kind of overjoyed. It felt like you know, a bit of a return to form and like the most classic Corrie, especially on Some Wednesday. Some of it were. Wednesday was the absolute highlight for me. But I saw after Monday's episode, people saying, that was amazing, that was classic Corrie. And I will finish Monday's episode saying, it was okay, it was fine. Rita and Audrey getting drunk together in the pub, fair enough. Friday's episode, it was okay. So I'm not going to go as high as everybody else. I don't think I could go any higher than, you know, three and a half, I think. I'm going to give this three and a half Scannable Grands no! out of five. Sorry, I was going to do that one. one. There's plenty of other things that I'm sure you can oh. think of. The three and a half Scannable Grands for me, um, but Audrey is definitely my character of the week. I, mean, I think Audrey's everybody's character of the week this week. It goes without saying, doesn't it? She was just fabulous on uh, on Wednesday's episode. Good job, Sue Nichols. Shame that you ruined it a little bit by being a bit cowie to Gail on Friday. I'm going to give it four famous bun bums on seats behind ropes, which nice. is actually more difficult to say than four I thought. Four famous bums on seats behind ropes. Yeah. Yeah. You said it perfectly. Well Thank done. you. Well, I couldn't have given it three and a half famous bums. You don't want half a bum on your seat, do well, you? You, you could have half a, a bum, though, couldn't you? Because it goes down the middle quite neatly. That's true. Um, character of the week, Gemma. Need I even ask? <laughs> Audrey. Definitely Audrey. Nice one, Aud. Everyone's favourite scannable gran. Yep. Um, and I think that's it. I, I, could, I, I would also like to give this um, three and a half Weatherfield Donkey Sanctuaries as my backup option as well, because still the idea that there's two Weatherfield Donkey Fields and Sanctuaries they hate does tickle me. And one of them's nefarious. Yeah. <laughs> what are they doing? But no, I'm going with Scannable Grants. So that's it. Thank you everybody for listening to our street talk. Let's move on with some news. 
Right, news time this week, and we have have we got exclusive news this week, Gemma? I'm only yep. it might be. I've this just not seen exclusive. it. I've not seen it reported anywhere exclusive else. So we'll call it an exclusive. News. Beep, 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 beep. Gemma, you found this this week, so yep. I'm going to let you lead. Yep, I've discovered news. Everybody, you're going to be thrilled when you find this out because <laughs> an exclusive Conversation Street no. reveal. Yes, this autumn. Yes, coming to. An Amazon near you, because that's where we all buy books from. We should buy them from a local bookshop. But anyway, the official Coronation Street puzzle book. What? Yes, I know. Calm down, calm down, listen. Okay, calm down. Fourteen ninety nine. It's coming out on the thirteenth of October. Mm-hmm. Sit down. <laughs> Three hundred and sixty eight pages. Are you listening? Two hundred and fifty puzzles for you to test your knowledge of TV's longest running soap. So, but we have got the whole blurb to it. I don't think I've seen anyone reporting on this yet. There's a new Coronation Street book coming out this autumn. That's really cool. I love a new Cory book. Um, and, and a puzzle book as well. Exciting, because it was written by Abigail Kemp, who wrote the yes. 60th anniversary book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she knows she her came stuff. came on the podcast to talk about it. She yeah. absolutely does. Well, yeah, there, are, there are bits in there that are puzzles, and there are bits that are you know, trivia and, and bits and, and things and whatever to read. Like, so, there's um, going to be Kendoku. What's that mean? I, I don't know. know. I don't think it's a new martial art. I think it's literally going to be Sudoku, but with a picture of Ken. Ken go, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I love this idea. I mean, the, the Coronation Street colouring book that Glenda Young put out a few years ago has gone down well with uh, with a load of Coronation Street fans. And I think this is the perfect Coronation Street toilet book, to be honest. I'm really excited to see what a, this. What a lovely... Can I, can I read... The, yep. the, the blurb for it. So this is on the press release. Um, 250 puzzles that test your Hang knowledge. Hang on, it wasn't the press release. It was from the... Sorry, the blurb on there Amazon. There isn't a press release. No, there isn't one. That's the point. Um, the test your knowledge of TV's longest running soap as well as your puzzle solving ability. Can you find hidden characters in paragraphs of text? Name the missing characters in the family trees. Complete a Kendoku. Kendoku! Take part in a classic quiz night at the Rovers. Spot the differences and untangle the cryptic webs. There are puzzles for all levels of ability and members of the family illustrated with images from the show. Throughout the book, there are also fun trivia from the history of the soap written by Corrie Alpha Abigail Kemp, including facts, details and figures on famous feuds, the infamous cat and... Can I? No, I'll say it in a minute. Okay. (laughs) And even how many pints will be served at the Rovers and eggs fried at Roy's Rolls every week. The Coronation Street Puzzle Book is a feast of fun for Corrie fans. I'm not going to tolerate this anymore. Infamous does not mean super famous. It means bad. I thought we cleared this up with three amigos. (laughs) Infamous does not mean super famous. Is this the cat cat that left a giant pile of poo or something? Must have been. It's not infamous. Okay. Don't say infamous if you don't mean (laughs) nefarious or evil. Or just famous. No. Yes. It doesn't just mean super famous. It really Um, annoys me. Stop saying it. It's the same as when people say they're mortified when they mean that they're scared to death. Yes. No, mortified means I'm embarrassed to death. <laughs> um, this is going to be really cool. So even the idea of things like um, filling the, the missing ne- uh, branches of the family trees, that kind of gets right... That's the, just the sort of thing that I'd want to be doing, really. I think like the things like the Kendoku, if it is just Sudoku with picture of Ken, it's like, so I think that's what? kind of funny. <laughs> well, it is, it's a funny name for it, absolutely. Um, I want to know what these cryptic webs are. I, I think there's an awful lot here because um, the, the Coronation Street books that can come out are great, but... Um, They're not as fun. They're not fun. They're, they're really, really useful cornucopias of Corrie... Um, 
information. information and they've been and, and so much of the podcast I wouldn't have been able to do without having that kind of books also there's only so much you can put in those books. I mean, Abigail Kemp, Kemp certainly um, gave it a different twist with her 60th anniversary book last year because it had some behind-the-scenes stuff as well. But um, if you're going to release another really Coronations... Job. Yeah, they, 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 it is not yet time for another one of those books. They like to release them every five, ten years or so. But um, to keep the, the Corrie cash coming in, why not have this? This is fantastic. I, um, I re- I'm going to try and get us an early copy of this one, I tell you. Maybe some competition prizes or something. I like the idea of how many f- eggs will be fried at Roy's Rolls each week. I'm going to speculate about that now for a little bit and think about it. Um, I will say I'm a bit bitter... Why? Because the only reason I found this was, oh, yeah. was because I was like, we should write a book. We could do a Coronation Street quiz book. And then I put it on Amazon. I was like, oh God, there's one there's coming out in one. October and it's going to be much better than what we Why could do. Why didn't they ask us to do this? this because Abigail way. Kemp knows what she's talking about. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Anyway, this should be... <laughs> uh, I'm just amazed at how long it is. 368 pages. That almost feels like too long. But if you want it as a coffee table book or a toilet book, perfect Christmas present here. And it's also going to be something to line the shelves of the Corrie tour when the whole gift That's shop opens thinking. later this year as well. I'm kind of disappointed. I was expecting this new expansion to be open by now. Because that's one of the things I was thinking. I was like, they're going to need stuff to put in their in their shop. Yeah, in their shelves. So this will absolutely be there. Maybe this will tie in exactly with it. Maybe October is the mid-October. Maybe Abigail will be there. She'll be able to cut the ribbon. Maybe she'll be signing copies. Maybe, maybe. Anyway, go on to Amazon if you're interested in that. No, Stick it on your wish it list. from your local independent bookshop. You can do that if you like, or just go to Amazon if you want to be easier with it. If you want to kill the planet and give Jeff Bezos some extra cash. If you want Maria moaning at you by just go ahead and order it on Amazon. The most you don't need her friend- at your door. Surely there should be a Kindle version of this oh, to be eco-friendly. Maybe. I'm sure there will be. There's a Kindle version of everything these days, isn't there? I don't know. Can you have Kindle versions of quiz books? Or do you need to, like... You've got to write on them. Can you write on Kindles? I've never had no, one. I don't know. I don't um, think so. Okay, it's got to be a paper one then. Anyway, very exciting stuff. And there's also some exciting news for fans <laughs> of Charlie DeMello. Because um, he's our everyone. second and final piece of news this week. Everyone's a fan. Everyone is a fan of Charlie DeMello, so they need to get down to the Nottingham Playhouse or up, this September. Or sideways. It's going to be up for us, isn't it? And, and watch him, because he's going to play. He's got a new job already, which is very exciting. He's going to be in um, starring in Alan Bennett's play, The Clothes They Stood In. Um, it's stood Up In. Stood Up In. Sorry, I got this wrong. And um, I, I, we haven't got tickets yet. So but they stood in, completely different try play. And get some of this. <laughs> so um, I, this is um, Gemma. I read the blurb of the last one. Do you want to tell us what is the close? You're scared stood of up reading this because you about. don't know what anything about plays, do you? I don't know anything about plays. No, but I will, I'm an expert. Charlie can 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 teach me. He can educate me about the ways of plays. Um, it's also starring Sophie Thompson, who's Emma Thompson's sister, but more importantly, she was Rosemary Piper. Yes, Rosemary the Piper, the fake psychic on Coronation yeah. Street. So there's kind of two ex-Coronation Street Emma people Thompson's in this. I bet Emma jealous of her. Oh, I she bet. should be. Getting to act alongside Charlie DeMello, who wouldn't be? Um, this is the blurb. A night at the opera ends with a shock for mild-mannered couple Maurice and Rosemary when they open their front door to discover their flat completely empty from light bulbs to carpets to toilet paper this is my play voice to toilet paper I was wondering what you were going for here it's your play voice yeah this is this is my this is what Shakespeare sounded like even their chicken casserole has been stolen the ransoms turn detective to try to work out who is behind this outrageous act and why and how they did it 
along the way. They are forced to examine their lives when stripped bare of the worldly possessions that define us all. Should they rebuild their old life or begin afresh? A bittersweet exploration of marriage, dreams and lives unlived. Adrian Scarborough's ad adaptation brings Bennett's hilarious story to the stage for the first time, capturing his trademark observational wit in this gentle and darkly surprising tale. Sounds good to me. Also stars Charlie DeMello. That's all they needed to put to convince me. This is running at the Nottingham Playhouse from the 9th of September to the 1st of October. It could be a little... 40th birthday treat for you there, Gemma. <laughs> or maybe we'll go to... I can't remember, because also in September, that's when we're going to the King's Theatre, isn't it, in Portsmouth, to go and see we, Hayley Tamadon. We've got one... That's we've it right there, did you hear? Got Tamadon. one play booked for September. We can't book another one. Now we're going to see two plays this September. We're going to be, like, so cultural by the end of the month. I'm going to absorb the culture through my fingers when I sit down. Yeah, yeah. We'll be different <laughs> like people. Um, Sophie, I'm going to buy a first stool. Not a muff, because I'm not common like Sally. I'm buying a first stool. Furry muff, you don't see them around no. these days. Sophie is going to be playing the character of Mrs. Ramon, so she's like the main yes. wife of the um, of, of, of the, the, man. the play. Um, but Charlie is going to be, he's got a few roles according to this. He's going to be Mr. Anwar, Sarge and Nurse. I haven't actually asked Charlie about this, and maybe I should have done before the podcast came out this week, but never mind. Um, you have to go along to the play and find yourself how on earth you can be playing three roles in one play. Get yourself onto their website, go and book some tickets, but don't do it too soon. Otherwise, we might find that we won't get any ourselves. We really should be doing this now. What? I can tell you how you can play three roles. Huh? It's called acting. What? Yes. Wig. No wig. Shaved head. Shall we do feedback? That's it for news. Let's get on to some feedback. We have nearly reached the end of this very, very late podcast, but um, we must first do some feedback. Thank you, everybody, for giving us your lovely feedback this week, for anybody that did. Um, and um, No, not everybody. What? Not everyone gave lovely feedback, but most people did. Thank you, everybody, who did. <laughs> well, this um, was feedback on the show. Well, there, there were people that gave feedback on... No, no, no. People gave feedback on Coronation Street as well. They gave it three and a half out of five on average, which is a nice round average number there. Um, and that included Rebecca, who gave last week's curry three and a half, cluster of redheads attending the cocktail mixer out of five. <laughs> Heather giving it three and a half, tax saving and insurance discounted marriage proposals out Romance. of five. And Richard was my pick of the week, who gave it three and a half of them fish sucking the side of an aquarium out of five. Oh. Thank you for everybody who voted on our Facebook Funny. poll. And speaking of Richard, he's the person we got our first email from this week, so let's see what he's got to say. This week has been a stellar one for me, Richard says. The right balance of comedy and drama. Fair play to the programming coming up with an original storyline, which I know must be tricky as most storylines have been done, done, done again many, many times over. And the one that I'm talking to is the Audrey story talking about, sorry, is the Audrey storyline. Whilst alcohol addiction has been covered by the programme multiple times, including the recurring Peter Barlow one, I consider the take on Audrey's situation to be an original one for the programme. Audrey enjoys a very... Uh, Audrey this, is a very... the reasons um, why yes, he considers I'm sorry, it. reading yeah. this very poorly today. Audrey is a very mature character who we've known for years and she enjoys a drink. Her character is bored, struggles to find a purpose, and is financially well off compared to most other characters. Suddenly, her drinking has become a problem, and this week has become what seems like a very serious problem. There was a turning point for me this week when I became aware of the extent of Audrey's drinking, when she was rattling on the door of the pub for them to open. Up until then, I tended to side with Audrey that her family were making too much of her drinking. That's a good point. 
Yeah, we kind of skimmed past that earlier, didn't we? But um, banging on the door, it was kind of done for comedic purposes, wasn't it? And so Daisy can come out and say, all right, all right, get but your hair on. That's what I said to you. That's what I said clues. earlier about, in, yeah, about that scene in particular. Yeah. And about how we get to the end of the week when Gail's crying and it's like the show is saying to us, yeah, it's not funny now, is it? Mm. Um, there was a... Ter- oh, no, we've read that one. Coronation Street is blessed to have long-serving and mature actors such as Sue Nichols, Barbara Knox and William Roach. Unfortunately, as long-serving actors, they will soon not be with us... They will soon... Uh, they will not be with us forever. See, this is why I need people to write in, um, send in their voice clips, because you can just... <laughs> you don't need don't, to listen to me trying not, to read your writing there. Um, this is why everyone should be replaced with robots. Yeah. Um, so I think it's great to see one of the mature members of the cast being given a meaty story rather than just used as aim increasing as an increasingly side character. I've done a terrible job of this, Richard. How much did I'm you very drink? sorry. This is bad. This is a PSA. Oh, just a little GNT before the podcast, darling. There's nothing. <laughs> I look forward to seeing how it develops and can't but hope. I can't but hope oh that we God. might see a plat family version of the infamous <laughs> Barlow scene when Peter's family accompanied him to a recovery meeting. Blanche's performance in that episode was outstanding and I suspect that David or Gail could give similar. Oh, I don't know. I, don't, I think it's a um, once in a... Once you know, in, yeah, once in it, a lifetime. Yeah, you can't repeat that I know story. What you, I know what Rich is talking about. Everybody knows that scene. No, the, no, no, no. I know what he's saying, like... I don't know. They probably would be good, but we did also have that scene. Do you remember? Do you remember the scene when um, Kylie was on drugs and they went to a drug meeting um, with Gail and uh, David and Kylie and that, and the the counsellor thought that Gail was the one that was off her head on drugs. (laughs) Do you remember? And uh, so I don't. But you know, why not? Why not? I I. You're absolutely right. That it's great that these um, older, more mature actors get their stories. It's just a shame that in the majority of cases, the stories don't last for very long. And we've had what two weeks of this Audrey story now, and I kind of feel that you know, after next week or the week after, Audrey's going to be put back in a cupboard again for another six months. The fact they brought back Stephen makes me think that they're going to be a bit more. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Depends if they've got other plans for him. But usually Stephen's job in the programme has been to come in for a few weeks and then swan off back to Canada again. So I'm not expecting him here for that much longer. Anyway, thank you very much, Richard. I'm glad you enjoyed this week's Coronation Street. Shall I tell you what Nancy said? Yes. Read it out better than I did, please. (sighs) I don't know if I can. Um, Nancy said, Toya spoke eloquently at Imran's funeral and Alia and Sarah's comments about her were inappropriate. I don't think Toya has anything against tattoos or age. She's just thinking about her defence. Toya is innocent. Just to interrupt you there, Nancy. <laughs> Remember when you were saying to me... Um, me. What, you, my, when Michael was saying <laughs> yeah. to me, Gemma, that um, the tattoo will do nicely um, sign has been rubbed away. Yeah. And I said it was probably Toya. Oh, yes, you did, didn't you? That's funny. She's like, yeah, I don't want to see any tattoos ever Yeah, have you again. seen it? I mean, we probably mentioned this in the podcast before, but the sign for tattoo will do nicely, it's like it's been scrubbed out or whitewashed over or something, because we saw that when it we was were her, there on definitely. the trip, wasn't it? Yeah, it's Toya. She, <laughs> she's an anarchist. We know this. We've seen it in the past. She's just suppressing her tendencies at the moment. They'll yes. be back. It's, a, it's like a pressure cooker. Yeah. Nancy says... Well, she's under a lot of pressure at the moment she as is. well, so... Nancy says, Toya is innocent. The police have no evidence. Corey did a good job by showing us Toya and then Abby's hearing. I like the comparison. It will be interesting to see Abby with Alfie under supervision of Wendy Papadopoulos. I hope Toya can visit Alfie and look after him too. I see a potential for a bond to form between Abby and Toya. Yeah. Just before we move on, I remember as well, I said on last week's podcast that I would probably be putting the Wendy Papadopoulos... 
character profile up on a YouTube this week. And then when I went back to episode six, I think it was, to check it out, it was literally three and a half, four minutes long. I think that's the shortest character profile ever. And I know back in the early days of the podcast, we didn't ramble quite so much as we do these days because we had a, a web space limit. But three to four minutes for a character profile, nah. So um, what we might end up doing is after... Um, this little stint for Wendy is up. We might record a brand new one for her, lengthen it out a little bit and talk about her 2012 return as well. Back to Nancy, Gemma. She says, It was sad to watch Kathy and Brian break up. The scene in The Rovers with Daisy, Evelyn, Jenny and Fizz was wonderful. Dev was the only one that was there to, that was not there to say goodbye to Kathy. Oh, yeah. She did work for him. I will miss Very her. Very good point. I love Shona and Audrey, and I feel Audrey is the perfect character to have an issues-based storyline if this is where the story is going. I hope Mimi comes back. Something will definitely prevent Fizz and Phil from getting married. Good prediction. Right, I want everyone to... We should do a poll somewhere. Do you think Fizz and Phil will or will not get married? We should do a poll. I think I know what the results are going to be, though. They're not getting married, are they? I'm going to say I'm going to be contrary. You're saying that they are? They're going to get married, but then Fizz will regret it. I don't, but we, we've already had characters getting married this year and it not lasting. Toya and Imran, I don't... Um, excuse me, Mr. Man. Yeah? Just because someone dies doesn't mean your marriage has failed. Oh. Well, Charlie DeMello is still wearing the ring now, isn't he? Oh, don't <laughs> say that. It's true, though. Um, right, Billy should be helping Summer to make a plan instead of letting her go on a trip with Aaron. It doesn't sound like Billy defended Summer very well at the hearing either. Max's scenes with David and Nick are wonderful and I love seeing Nick reminiscing about him and Leanne. I give this week's episodes three I Love Lucy Redheads out of five. The character of the week is Toya. She was brave enough to go to the police on her own. Shout out to Kathy. And she says she likes Summer's robot. She says Summer's robot was hilarious. See, I'll tell you, we've had lots of praise for Summer's robot. Mostly praise. Mostly praise for everybody. This thing about I Love Lucy Redheads reminds me of the scene in the movie... Rat race. I oh, know that's all, all I can think of when where, I think of Lucy. Um, one of the characters on the comes across a bus full of people who are going to an I Love Lucy convention, uh, convention in in the I Love Lucy cosplay, and they all pretend to be her, and yeah. they're all going. Aah! That is our film pick of the week. We watched it again uh, about a month or so yeah. ago, didn't we? For the first time, maybybe since it's out in the cinema. But if you haven't seen Rat Race, it's a very funny it's comedy, hilarious. and it's got Rowan Atkinson. As the, and his new show, his Netflix show, is out now. Rowan Atkinson's that Man, Man versus B. Oh, I want to watch an episode. Can we watch an episode of that later? No. I want to watch a new episode of The Boys. I want to watch a Man versus B, and maybe an old curry as well. That's my evening sorted. Thank you. I'm glad that you know what you're doing. Rebecca <laughs> is going to finish off this. Uh, Go week's on, Rebecca. You can do it. She says, "I'm starting to think that Toya did mean to crash the car." <gasps> Rebecca, Rebecca, get out. You're not invited on this no. podcast anymore. <laughs> But only because of everything Heretic. that she Heretic. seems to have gone through since the failed I- IVF courses with Toby and Peter, Greg. Jackie the surrogate suffering a miscarriage, oh, everything with God. Eva and Susie, and then when she thinks she's got everything she wants, Imran ruins Bloody everything. Imran. Actually, having it written down makes me sympathetic towards Toya, but the policewoman seems to want us to use Toya's experience with Susie in a negative light, while Peter sympathises. Mm. At the moment, I'm thinking maybe putting Toya into therapy for a few months, <laughs> a la Jenny, when she dangled Jack, might be a good idea yeah i'm also thinking therapy no only if we can get to see it please yeah that's what i mean we didn't see jenny in the nut house i was only we? i was only laughing I mean, because toya is supposedly center. a therapist and you know it's like physician heal thyself 
That would be actually that could be quite interesting actually I would, because I think Toya would be there saying I think she'd be I'm not relu- crazy. I think she would be really resistant. I think she'd be like, I know what you're trying to do because I've done it to people, but you can't do it to me. Yeah, but if Toya gets section, that could be quite interesting. But I, she doesn't seem to be having enough of a mental breakdown as she would need to be well, able this to warrant a place there. Presumes that she had a psychotic break and killed Imran on purpose. Yes, which I'm going to say. I don't believe it. I'm looking forward to that story coming back next week. Yeah. Um, at the moment, I'm thinking maybe put it, oh, we've said that already, blah, blah, blah. I'm also thinking I'd be getting Alfie and whatever happens with Toya might clash together in October. Could do for Super Soap Week. Great to see Wendy again. And when she said she only heard of the street because of the sinkhole, it made me laugh so much. <laughs> I'm not on either side, but if Abby can prove herself, this is the first small step. Oh, and by the way, Leanne Adam deserved. By the way, Leanne Adam deserved that punch. And yes, why is Alia not being more smug? Well, I'm kind of <laughs> glad she can do because I can't because I can do without smug Alia. Um, I also think that Toya didn't like the tattoos because it wasn't very professional. Rather than she had t- hated tattoos, but it wasn't written very clearly. Gutted that Kathy is gone, and I really think I would rather have Brian gone also. I enjoyed the redheads around the bar though, and Evelyn was a joy as always. I still maintain Kathleen's problem started when she split from Roy, yeah. although it was probably the right choice then in the long run as the character, maybe not. I'd like to see Julie back though. Uh, Julie Carp, that is. Seeing Audrey with a plastic disc on her eye made me have flashbacks to my own cataract operation. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love Shona standing by Audrey and sticking up for, uh, up for her against Gail. I agree with Gemma. I don't mind Bernie as much now and I don't mind her in small doses, but I agree with Michael. Comedy Gail <laughs> does my head in, especially when you can tell it's leading up to Comedy Gail. Yeah, you're absolutely right, it can. You can A Comedy Gail scene you can see coming a mile off and it's like, no, 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 no. Oh, there she is. She's singing along or doing a silly face. Uh, to defend her though, I mean, what what really is the difference between Comedy Gale singing a tuneless little ditty and Hilda Ogden? I don't know. Because when Sally's doing it just to make herself like Sally, the writers, Gale, Gale, sorry, when they give Gale songs like that to sing, it's just to make her seem like an idiot, like but, a brainless how's that idiot. Different? I really, I really wonder, listen, Hilda I, was so lovable. I really do wonder what this podcast would have said about Hilda Ogden. I would love to have, you know. My 70s podcast. What though. would, what would, what would we have said and what would the fan base have said? Because I do think sometimes history gets retconned a little bit um, by people that say everybody had a consensus on, on a certain character or a certain storyline or whatever. And I'm not completely convinced that that was the case. And I'm sure that people who watched it back in the day might have gone, God, I bloody hate Hilda Ogden. Why is she so annoying and singing stupid songs? You know? But like, it's it's kind of like the accepted, you know, consensus that everybody, Hilda Ogden was a universally beloved, hilarious comedy character and everyone loved it when she went, you know? Yeah, no, I, I get it. I and and also, that you know, in 20 years' thought. time, you know, will everyone go, oh, Comedy Gale, everyone love Comedy Gale, but you know what we don't like? 
and we we hate comedy Maria. We're sick and tired of old uh, old decrepit comedy Maria doing a little singing. You know who's gonna be who's gonna be the next generation? So Maria is character. the same age as us. So we're we gonna be old and decrepit at this yeah. point. Yeah. Well, you told me I was gonna be old. I did, didn't I? Didn't you earlier um, in the podcast? I need Mimi back at the wedding, says Rebecca, and I didn't really think Fizz was O O C as Mimi, out of character as Mimi. Wound her up that much last time she came. She basically said Fizz wasn't good enough for Phil. I did like Fizz and Tyrone's dance though. I'm gonna quote some. As robot now, which I'm very glad made a return this week. We're going to have uh, people. No. See, I said in the feedback section last week, write an email to Summer's Robot, and nobody, nobody did. did. Nobody did, so that's why. Anyway, Rebecca says, do one, Summer. I have a feeling about her holiday with Aaron. I'm th- a bad feeling. I thinking she might not come back all that happy, but everything is not okay. No, I'm thinking that she might come back all happy, but everything is not okay. But I'm more than happy to just push her to the sidelines for a while. And I agree with Michael. (laughs) Todd needs a story. Finally, the Max stuff was sweet, but filler. Loved Nick reminiscing over his wedding to Leanne and playing Torn. I'm also (laughs) wanting to see the hench ex of Sonia's and give Max a good talking to. Yeah, we still haven't seen anything with him, have we? Do you think that these guys, these friends of Max, are supposed to be the the, the henchmen of, of... Sonia's ex. Do you think they're meant to be oh, his maybe. Or, or maybe like, they're or, the Crab and Goyle to yeah, his how, Draco Malfoy. How did we learn about this ex of Sonia's? Can't remember. Was it through the text or was I it thought... through talking to Sonia? Yeah, you're right. If it was I talking to Sonia, now. then he's real. But if it wasn't, then it's sort of a figment of their yeah. I can't remember whether we actually seen talking about him. Anyway, character of the week for Rebecca was Leanne because of the slap she gave Adam. But Toya was a close second. Georgia stormed Monday's episode. I'll give this week three and a half cluster of redheads attending the cocktail mixer out of five. And that is Thank it. You Thank you, everybody, everybody who wrote in. More feedback for next week, please. Send them in. Send us your emails. Send us your voicemails. Send us your Facebook messages. Send us however you fancy. We'll try and get hold of it and not forget them and read them out. But like I said earlier, a lovely voice message wouldn't go amiss as well because it's been a while since we've had one of those. A lovely Canadian one. Yes. Um, and if anyone, what? bonus points, if you're not from Canada but you do the accent because we do like a try Oh, yes, that's right. Please, can we have a Canadian in your, on your best Canadian accent, please, <laughs> telling us... Um, what you sound like. I'm sure we've had Canadian people write in before. In fact, I know we've had, but yeah, we I'm do, just trying yeah. to get more voice messages, basically. Um, anyway, I'd also like to say big thank you and welcome to Daniel this week, who was our newest patron. So he signed much. up earlier this week. We sent him a postcard, which he even put on Twitter as well, didn't he? Which I don't know whether we've seen very many really of before, nice. our, our Patreon postcards. Um, so yeah, thank you for that. Very, very grateful. And um, everybody else, just, just get in touch with us. Oh, if anyone else would like to give us a, a lovely, positive iTunes review this week, that would be just fab. And um, Thank you to everybody that listens to us with, with compassion and in the spirit of friendship. We appreciate you and a reverence. more than you know. Yes, we really, really do. Um, we are on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Patreon, we're on Facebook, we're on Spotify, we're on YouTube, we're on many other places like that. Don't forget, we're on it like a rash. Yes, don't forget our YouTube um, channel because that's where you can watch the Jan McVerry interview. And um, the Charlie DeMello interview. And the Charlie interview. And all the other ones. And the British Soap Awards. Uh, that British Soap Awards video is doing really well for us. We're getting close to a thousand views of that on YouTube, which um, may seem like nothing compared to some people's YouTube channels, but... I am particularly proud of how that one's doing. So thank you for everybody who's taken the time to go and watch Gemma's amazing camera work in the British Open Awards do, last do, week. Do, do, do. That's me. We Very much zoom appreciated. in, manual zoom, move forwards. Yeah. Um, we will be back next week with a podcast to talk about what's going on in Coronation Street. We have got a bonus podcast to come on Tuesday, which should hopefully be a lot of fun. And uh, But now 
It is half past three on Sunday afternoon. People are probably foaming at the mouth to hear this episode. I hope it didn't disappoint. <laughs> so I will see you next time. Say goodbye, Gemma. Bye. Bye. The music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. Oh, oh, oh.